Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This message will self-destruct. It's time to begin the football weekend. And as they say in Tinseltown, roll up. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Spray. They had pride. They had talent. They had hats and t-shirts. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app, follow 1080 The Fan, and enable push notifications to get the latest on the Ducks, Beavers, Blazers, and more. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, 602 in the Rose City. Time for Dirt and Sprague on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. (laughs) Gotta hit the on button. I hope that's not... (laughs) <laughs> a sign of things to come for today. Oh, oh, Schultze. It's not. It's a great day. It's Friday, baby. It's a football Friday. Well, it yeah. yeah. Technically. Kind of. Sort of. For two more weeks. It's a flag football Friday. I will tell you why, even though I thought I hit that button on the on switch uh, before the show started, that is not a bad omen. Nothing can be a bad omen today, Schultze. It's a good day. And it's not just because it's a football Friday. Did you not hear what happened? Uh, other than the Seahawks introducing their new head coach, it, it, tell me. I well, mean that—that's a big day for Seahawks fans. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Panther I mean, fans excited. Charger fans excited. Blazers were off. Like Beavers lost last night, unfortunately. So Why did you? College, yeah, college you had to go there. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think of like sporting events that like happened and that there were. But I said s- it's a great day. Why did you need to say Oregon State lost? I'm sorry. Little yeah, cool l- 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 dig. I love you, but little little Beavers dig. That's okay. Mean. Me and your dad will uh, we'll go talk about that later. Right. You just abandon us and uh, <laughs> dug the knife in deep. No, today is a great day, Schultze. Yesterday, I don't know about you. I always wonder how many people do this. When we get random weather like we got yesterday, don't you just kind of start walking around outside like, oh, man, I have to enjoy this. I have to take this in. Oh, 60 degree January, February. Uh, Yesterday was delightful. It was gorgeous. You know what that translated into today, right? Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Did you see the results? Oh, no, that's what you're talking about. Mm. Did Punxsutawney Phil actually not see his shadow? 
He did not see a shadow. We've got early spring here, baby. And I'm going to do it. Hooray. Okay. I'm going to do this. And I shouldn't. But if my co-host was here, he would definitely do it. Especially after yesterday and the news of Puxatani Phil. Spring's here. It's here, baby. No more snow. No more freezing ice storms. We've got spring, baby. I'm declaring it on February 2nd. I love it. It's very dirt-like of me to do that. Hey, it's okay. He, he's not here, so you've got to take the reins on that uh, whole dirt persona, right? He did it three years ago, and we got two snowstorms after he declared it. <laughs> well, I hope you're not doing the same thing to us as dirt did then. Thanks, uh, well, you know, the majority uh, times that he does it, he ends up kind of being right. But yeah, he had one year where it just went completely against him. He had, we had two snowstorms. Wait, but was that when Punxsutawney Phil also didn't see a shadow? I don't remember. I feel like this is the first year Phil didn't see a shadow in quite some time. Ditto. I was just talking to my wife a couple days ago like, ah, we should, hey, put that old uh, movie Groundhog Day and it's hilarious and I love me some Bill Murray, but yeah, I can't remember the last time that Punxsutawney Phil did not see a shadow. It would just be really nice to have an early spring. I I so agree with you, but a mild spring because last year we went from like 45 degrees in April to like 80. There was no transition of 60, 65 degrees. I'm okay with that. Give me you, 80. Screw that. That's the reason why I love living here in the Willamette Valley, man. I love the 60, <laughs> 70 degrees. I love that mild. I wear shorts all the time. I don't know what else you expect from me to love. It's that mild, perfect 60 to 70. I that, just, that's me. I, side note, this uh, the TV is on TNT, and I'm assuming it's because people were watching the basketball game yesterday and sometimes it gets left on and i'm looking over to my left and i've got Alyssa milano grinding on a dude on the tv show charmed right now at 6 a.m well i mean she's asking for donations for that gofundme for her kids uh baseball travel team so i I guess she's asking for donate Alyssa milano uh, the actress? Yeah, yeah. She's asking for donations? Uh, uh, Alyssa Milano, yes. Let me bring this story up, but there is a story that recently came out, I think a week or two ago, asking about uh, a GoFundMe that was a total of $10,000 for her son's travel baseball team. And Alyssa Milano doesn't have ten thousand. Then that's kind of the whole get. That's kind of the whole get up, and people are, were attacking the hell out of her mm. on social media. She's she came out and she's like, you know, I paid for kids that didn't have the money for uniforms, and it's like, you know. You still have the extra ten grand, and and as you say, you're watching her grind on some dude on Charmed. I wonder what the royalties that she she is getting from this scene that you're watching right now. They're probably enough to pay for that one season of baseball. Uh, just right there alone, probably a dollar eighty. <laughs> I hope now a com- bit more. Now compute that with the last five hours of TNT programming overnight. Oh man, she's cleaning house. I would have assumed ten thousand dollars would be nothing for Alyssa Milano, but eh. I also don't know her finances, and I don't know what actors and actresses not everybody's making 25 million dollars a movie well, like leo dicaprio isn't she married to a hollywood agent too so so i don't think I it's no just idea. her income i think the whole household is doing quite well mm. <laughs> a little but, highfalutin there let's raise some funds for kids who don't have money <sighs> yeah the the sons and daughters of rich parents yeah they so need our gofundmes that's on people if they want to donate to that cause that's not a cause i would sign up for but that's okay oh as soon as she posted it i think within hours there was like eight thousand out of ten thousand dollars paid for along with all of the trash that she was getting online well generally uh in nature online is trash so i'm not shocked to hear that if people want to donate let them donate uh i'm just excited that spring is here spring has sprung spring is here 
A- I will. I-, I will go against you here. I-, I-, I hear what you're saying, but I'll take 80. I will burn like an uncooked bird because I'm so pasty white. A little toasty. But I'll take 80 all day. All right. I- I- I'm just not a cold weather guy anymore. I can deal with the rain, but like I'd much prefer not to have as much rain as we do. I'm the older I'm getting, the more I'm like, I need to move to a warm climate, but it's not gonna happen. So I'll take eighty degrees next week if we're gonna get it. <laughs> you're like thirty six, but you're already like sixty. That's funny. Like I need to go to Arizona. I appreciate you calling me thirty six. I'm thirty seven now. Really? Oh, I'm old. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I turned thirty five here in what, two weeks? I I'm kind of dreading that. It's you know, it's weird. I I don't have a um I'm not that I'm there yet, but like many people suffer from midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And I, I, again, I'm not there at 37, but I will say like the idea of being 40 is really weird. I have a buddy of mine. He's coaching at my, uh, my high school, my alma mater. And, uh, we went, a couple of us went out and, uh, Wanted to go support him. He's he's the varsity head coach. It's a really big deal, right? Absolutely. Good for you guys. So we went out there. I hadn't been in that high school since I graduated in 05. I think I know what you're going to say, and I love it. What? That it just looks tinier. Uh no. Okay. Park, Park Rose never looks tiny. Uh it just it looked a little different and some things looked exactly the same. It was really weird to sit in the stands and watch. I mean, he was watching his team and they're playing Hillsboro. Yeah. Because Park Rose in Northeast Portland obviously has to play Hillsboro in the same conference. So that makes a lot of sense. Oh, always. Always say hey, baby. And uh we're watching this game. It just it felt weird. I got hit with nostalgia and then somebody said something and I'm like you know we're almost 40, right? Like, high school might feel like, oh, man, that's right. We were here in this memory, in this moment. We're almost 40. <laughs> You're like Uncle Rico now in Napoleon Dynamite. Like, ah, oh, those years, I could have thrown that football over those damn mountains. If Coach would have put me in the fourth quarter, we would have won state. We would have made state. <laughs> God. It was a little bit of that, though. It was, uh, you know, I was almost 40-year-old. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm here right back in my high school. So yeah, Reminiscing, baby. And, and that just in that moment, does that make you feel good about yourself? Like, indifferent? Because... Uh, some people say aging is good, you know, like my dad, as he's gotten older, he's kind of talked about how the growth of his kids and watching, you know, our, uh, start our lives like that. That has been very fulfilling for him. Mm. So so I feel like there's multiple takes on aging. It's good. It's bad. And hitting near 40 or getting close to that. I, I just do wonder what people are feeling. Well, OK, so you're you're 30, 34 going on 35 Th- on February 18th. OK, baby. so you're bro. Oh. Birthday month, there you go. Sharing a, sharing it with John Travolta, Vanna White, and unfortunately Yoko Ono. Ah. Well. So no thanks to that. I share mine with Jay-Z and Skip Bayless. Okay, that's kind of awesome on both accounts. Really? I I, I mean, nobody... One of those I'm not happy about. Nobody loves Skip Bayless, but... <laughs> nobody. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. He's like the highest paid person at FS1, and he's got like the least watched show of all the major It's my shows. turn now! <laughs> God, all right, let's give him another $5 million. 40 is a weird one though. Four like 40, 40 years old. And again, three years out, but like the idea of it being just right around the corner, that did hit me. It, and I it didn't make me feel bad. It didn't I don't feel amazing about it because now my bones are creaking when I just stretch or move my arm. Getting out of bed, you're like, what? But I generally have enjoyed the aging process so far. All right. There's elements of it that you probably just naturally don't like and don't want. Uh but I also like having uh, being a seasoned vet. That's how I comp it. I'm a seasoned vet. Got a little bit more experience under the belt. I'm a nine-year NBA player. Like you know, that. I have I have enough experience where you can trust me on that bench. I could be a good role guy. 
Not a franchise player for sure. Maybe win a six man of the year award once or twice in yeah, your career. Depending you know? on the setting. Yeah. If you oh, need yeah. uh you got a good five and you just need that one, I think I could be that. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. You gotta accept what your lot in life is, man. Well, that's good because I I think I'm starting to like get that mindset in my head and I'm not sure that I like it yet. I'll get there. I'm gonna be all right, but but it is, you know, hitting thirty-five. We all don't always live to like a hundred, you know. So everybody's like, "Oh, that midlife crisis comes no. when you're 50. And I'm like, "Well, isn't the average lifespan like 72, 73, 74, it's like 77? I think okay, for like men, 77, a little bit higher, 79 for women. A lot of people check out around 70. So I'm like, mm. "Whoa, am I really at the midpoint of my life? Like, God help me. I like to uh, sometimes be dark and depressing to friends when they're like talking about their birthdays. And I have a buddy who was like, "Yeah, I'll be 37 this year," and I'm like, "Cool." That means you're three from 40, you're 10 from 50, and then that makes you only 10 from 60, and then you're 10 from 70, and then at that point, you could die at any moment. You check out. And they just looked at me like, whoa, thanks. Thanks for putting it that way. <laughs> well, there's this guy, I can't remember what the commercial's for. It might have been for like a car, but but it's like a muscled up dude, and he's like, yeah, you know, 80 summers, 40 Christmases, like whatever. He's just naming the events in your life. Oh, like, how many you yeah, get Yeah, of those. five new yeah, cars, right. and you're done. And I'm right. like- Holy crap, like that is, don't say that, please. You know, the weirdest part about it was sitting in the stands and talking about almost being 40 and being back in your high school. The weirdest part was I saw administrators at the high school (laughs) that I hadn't seen since 2005. Still kicking, still there. Still there, but the wild thing to me was seeing them and like seeing the aging process has also hit them but they were grown ass adults when I was in high school, and now they're they're kind of older people. They look like grandparents now. One of them did, yeah, and yeah. it, it kind of that threw me off. It wasn't. It's not about me. I Absolutely. whatever. I'll be forty. I'll take it. <laughs> it was more like seeing somebody I knew and I really liked, and you know they're still out there. They're still working for the school, doing great things, and well respected and liked. But yeah, all gray and kind of. Walking a little slower, I was like, man, like that's the element of life that hits you. I don't so much view in me, oh, I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm 50. Maybe I will when I get to 50, because 50 is a pretty big number. But seeing them, it was like, man, that's not how I remember them. It was just wild to go. I'm basically at my 20-year reunion. I'm a year away from it from high school. And so you just do the math. You're like, I guess you do the math and... Yeah, that person is that age. It's crazy. <laughs> a lot of people adding some crow's feet at that point, huh? Or, I mean, I got the crow's feet. Or, or lots of wrinkles. I mean, God, I look at my face compared to 10 years ago. I'm like, where did you go? The youth that I had. <laughs> oh, really? I, my, see, I think there's an element of me. I'm kind of Benjamin Button in my life. Oh, you're, you're, so you're aging like fine wine, kind of going the opposite way. I, I'm, not, I'm no way trying to say I'm aging like fine wine. That's a bit much. I'm a pretty ugly dude. But if you see pictures of me from my like my early 20s, my mid-20s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was I was fatter in the face. I was fatter in general. I'm more I, healthy. Ah, there you go. I like to hear that. But I would champion that you can, even as an ugly dude, which you are not, age like fine wine. See example John Cryer, star of two and a half men. That dude looked awful in his Who's 30s. John Cryer? John, which one is he? Is he's uh, not Charlie it, Sheen. Oh, okay. Okay. So he's the guy that stayed. When he's they he's the nerd okay. that always was trying yeah. to get the sex and the life that Charlie Sheen's character lived, but he just kind of. What's couldn't. wrong with John Cryer? What did he do? Nothing. I'm telling you that a lot of people kind of looked at him. Oh, he kind of looks nerdy, but now, whatever. He was on a new show, or he is doing a new show, and my wife and I were watching it the other night and was like, 
whoa, that guy got a lot better looking with age. I mean, money helps, but sure. there is hope for the lesser looking dudes. If you're like, ah, crap, I don't look how I want to look in my 20s or my 30s. Like, ah, you know what? Take care of yourself a little bit. You can maybe get there when you're 40. It is okay. You didn't have to peak in high school. We, uh, we're aging well on the show, and we're celebrating spring today. That's why Woo-hoo. it's a great Friday, Schultzy. I love it, man. I'm about to start singing some Pennsylvania polka. Break out the music. We're having some fun. Pennsylvania polka. Oh, I love that movie. I need I need to go watch that like when I get home today. I don't even know what movie you're talking about. That's Groundhog Day. That's the song that oh, they're playing gotcha. when they get to Gobbler's Knob. Okay. Come on. Why, why are you yelling at me right now? Because <laughs> you don't. You're you're bringing up the fact that it's an early spring. I'm singing all these theme songs about it. You're like, the hell's that? Ah, it's okay. I love. I'm you. not bad at. I'm I'm not good at memorizing music. It's just like one of my real faults is I don't know who sings what songs and okay. what albums and. I listen to music all the time. I just don't pay attention like to <laughs> direct uh, connections to artists and whatnot. If you watch Groundhog Day as often as I had, you'd, you'd know that movie front to back. And I'm pretty much there. I shouldn't tell you my take then on that movie, should I? That's okay. It's like a, I mean, it's, it, your take necessarily doesn't matter. I don't think matter. it's in my top five Bill Murray movies. That's okay. It's in the vault sealed for all time in history. To oh, be, it's part of the resume for it, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's part of the, it's like one of the films that is historically like been preserved. So well, yeah, uh, Schultz, I, I tell you the high school story. I want to start with this. Nostalgia hit me last night in sports, and I'll tell you how. We got a loaded show, Dirt and Sprague. We're in Sprague Line today, 30s so to get the Sprague Line sponsors in. Let's get it going. On 1080 The Fan. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. 6.20 a.m. on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. Dirt and Sprague here. Schultz in for Swag. Swag will be back on Monday. Uh, We have a lot to get into today. We've got some new coaching hires from the National Football League. We've got the Adio to get to. Uh, Trevor Sikama is the lead NFL draft analyst for PFF. He is in Mobile, Alabama, and he is going to join us today at the Daily Ticker at 730 uh, to give us his read so far on how the Senior Bowl is going for a lot of our Ducks and our Beavers and some Huskies out there. Uh, I know a lot of people are on social media and they're seeing some of the highlights and some of the reporting coming out. Bo Nix, Michael Penix, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, uh, Braylon Trice. Like we, We've got Fuaga from Oregon State. We've got guys that are absolute units in Mobile, Alabama. And as I mentioned this week, I've become pretty nerdy in reading about it and watching some of the highlights. The game is on Saturday. I'm going to record it, and I'm going to watch it. I just uh, It's another element of the NFL draft that, unfortunately, and I say that because they already have enough of my attention, they've gotten me in on it. Uh, but last night, Schultze, talking about being old, I was really upset. I was like, oh, it's 935. I'm not asleep yet. This is terrible. Actually, ditto. Yeah. I I, 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 like, I try to go to bed at like 9, as old as that sounds, but it's it sometimes with basketball become an impossibility. Uh, so I stayed up for the Ducks and Beavers game. I'll, we'll talk about that as well. Oregon gets a win at USC and Oregon State. What the hell is Oregon State on the road? Because statistically, they're just a completely different team. But I was, uh, I got stuck in nostalgia yesterday watching <laughs> Pacers Knicks 
it's just one of those right it's it's I know this sounds ridiculous to a lot of people now and we talk about age and and years I mean how long's it been since a Pacer Nick game had the juice late God. 90s like, yeah, because when were the Pacers in the NBA Finals last? In the mid-2000s? Like 2000? Yeah. yeah, 2000. Exactly. There you go. Early 2000. 2000, yeah. Yeah, against the Lakers. That was the year Portland should have gone to the final. Like, that. that's really, like, and the Pacers had some good teams, but not some great teams along the way. But I got stuck watching uh, Jalen Brunson tear apart the Indiana Pacers yesterday, and I'm watching this as if I'm, like, 12 years old feeling Reggie Miller nostalgia. Of all the all the matchups in sports that could get me, I didn't think I cared about Knicks Pacers, and then I had it on my screen visually, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember caring about this game a long time ago." <laughs> Latrell Sprewell, Allen Houston, oh, Allen Houston, yes, Larry oh, Johnson, good old bald short Jeff Van Gundy, not Rick Stan. Smiths. Oh my God, yeah, we're we're going back. Dale that. Davis, Dale, I love that. Oh, yeah. Austin Crozier. And then yeah, after Dale, Jermaine yeah. O'Neal, too. Because that, yeah. that, that, they yeah. continued into the 2000s. Those Knicks Pacers <laughs> games, even in 0405, were pretty good. Uh, man, I, I don't know why, but I got stuck in nostalgia last night with Knicks and Pacers. The Knicks are actually good this year. I like to randomly throw out basketball tidbits to people who hate basketball or don't follow it. The Knicks are good this year. Like, yeah. legitimately a good team. Jalen Brunson's kicking butt. That contract seems to be paying off for them, which initially people laughed at. But he's thought, pro- yeah, he's producing like a star player in the NBA. I thought that was odd that people reacted that way to him getting a contract. I'm like, did you watch the Mavericks? If anything, I'd be laughing at the Mavericks. What are the Mavericks doing there? Just letting him go. I mean, they basically traded him for Kyrie, essentially, without doing so. Yeah, well, I think if you gave him the choice, they'd take Brunson. Brunson's mm-hmm. physically stronger. He's tougher. Cares more. Him and Luka worked really well together and now he's running the show in New York uh you know Josh Hart is one of his running mates they're an interesting team come deadline Schultz the Knicks if they can add the right piece it's a team to watch for mm-hmm. they're in the top three in the east right now they're not very far behind uh, the Milwaukee Bucks who just lost in Portland uh so you know the Eastern Conference race is interesting the Knicks I said this a couple years ago when they uh when they won that first or that uh who did they face Trey Young and the Hawks. Remember, they won the one playoff game. Oh, yeah. And they were seen filing out onto the street, chanting and going crazy and shutting traffic down. At that point, I changed the opinion, Schultz. I want the Knicks to be relevant. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to have some psychos on the East Coast care a lot and then have their hearts broken. I want the Knicks to be good. And I, they are this year. Nobody really mentions their acquisition over the offseason of Dante DiVincenzo either. I feel like... Very it, underrated. Exactly. I mean, he kind of exploded last year in Golden State, and and whatever it is... They got know, him for less than the mid-level. Oh, that's... When you think about the value in we today's We gave NBA, Gary Payton the second the mid-level. Hmm. He played like 10 games and then said, I want to go back to Golden State. And they got Dante DiVincenzo, white Dante, for less than the mid-level. And when you think about that he's making less than the mid-level, just comparative value to, like, you know, NBA scoring leaders right now averaging 25, 28 a game. He's sure. averaging half that, almost 12 and a half a game. So, theoretically, he should be making $20 million, not four or six. Right. So, so this is this was a sneaky good play by New York, and it really shored up their guard play and allowed Jalen Brunson to have somebody that, that it just didn't seem like he worked as well with the roster last year. Their younger guys like Toppin kind of got rid of them and found some guys that work in their system. They got tougher. That's true. Yeah. Tougher guys is the, yeah, it's a Tibbs thing, right? It's, it's the physicality, it's defense, it's not backing down. 
Joel Embiid has a torn meniscus in his knee. That was really unfortunate to read about yesterday. Kaminga, he shouldn't have been... I thought he was not faking it, but I thought he was resting for the Portland game just to play TNT. No, his knee really is still messed up, but he played on the Golden State game on TNT, and Kaminga fell on his knee, and now he has a torn meniscus. We don't, we don't know the timeline. Sixers got a win last night. Maxi was amazing, but Embiid's out, so I think he kind of scratched them off the old list of teams. I don't think they were going to win the East anyway, but uh, not good news. The trade deadline's going to be fascinating to see what teams are either looming in the background or teams that are near the top of their conference. The West, for example, is kind of a jumbled mess. Minnesota and OKC are sitting at the top. I don't know how many people truly trust them to go win the Western Conference. I think most people would say, eh. Minnesota can be weird offensively. Gobert's been great defensively. Oklahoma City's fun, but Chet's struggling right now. And, you know... No real experience come postseason conversation. I still think it's Denver in the West. Like, the Clippers might be right there with them, but I don't know if they'll stay healthy the whole way through. Obvious MVP in Jokic again. It it certainly appears that. um, I think him, Giannis, I think that's kind of what you're looking at right now. Milwaukee's been weird despite being a two-seed. So, just the landscape of the league is, it's um, as we get closer and closer to the deadline, it's interesting to see... How many teams are going to get desperate? How many teams are going to look to just upgrade slightly? And how many teams are going to try to look to offload contracts because they're just not good teams? They're not competing. You kind of wonder if Boston at the top of the East really feels like they need to upgrade as compared to, you know, maybe somebody in the six or seven spot like Miami. They probably need a lot better point guard play. They're oh, gonna... Miami's in a real tailspin right now. Uh, yeah, they, they're, I mean, I think, was it them that just pulled off the deal with uh, Charlotte? Yeah, they got to- Terry Rozier, yeah, Scary yeah. Terry. Yeah. There you go. I they're mean... one in six. They're one in six with him. Oh, God. So so flipping Kyle Lowry for him didn't quite work out for them. So maybe they need to make another move. I mean, that's kind of... It, we were just talking yesterday, uh, go listen on the podcast, you can get them anywhere, but you, we were talking yesterday about how the, there's kind of a, 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 seems like a pause in the market because the assets aren't necessarily there for all these teams. The Blazers are going to be most likely, at least what we're hearing, holding on to Malcolm Brogdon. The draft sucks, so the draft pick yeah. stuff doesn't really resonate with a lot of people right now. Uh, but, but then when you think about players in return, there's really no good young talent that's going to be on the move. You know, Toronto's not giving up a Scotty Barnes. Yeah. There's really no reason for Charlotte to give up on a Brandon Miller. Obviously, I, I only bring that up because those are the scenarios along with draft picks that you see happening in deals at the trade deadline. So we just, I bet we don't see much movement, but there's got to be a couple of teams, especially in the East, that need something. You know what team in the East I think needs Malcolm Brockton? Uh, Other than Miami, who? Uh, Not Miami. It is a Florida team, though, and they're in the (laughs) play-in. They're a nice little young team. I think they could use some seasoning in the veteran department. I do like Orlando. The Orlando Magic. Yeah. I think the Orlando Magic could benefit greatly from having a Malcolm Brogdon. Brog seems like a good locker room guy. Go in there. He's on a young team now, but you get to go to a more competing young team that's, you know, star-ready. Paolo Banquero is an all-star now. Well, I know. Somebody somebody a little bit older with the vet experience over Jalen Suggs at the point guard position would absolutely help. Them. I don't know how many people do this, but I absolutely do as a Blazer fan. I see young players that come in that I just really like, and I just get pissed when I watch that they become good. Like Paolo <laughs> Banquero for me, in that draft, that was the Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith draft. 
I remember we talked about that because Portland wasn't very good. So it's like, where was the ping pong balls going to land? God, I wanted Paolo Bancaro. So I wanted him in the worst way. We were one number away from Wimby. We were, you know, one bad draw of the lottery ball away from a Paolo Bancaro. It just sucks when you get so close to having that caliber of player. But Orlando got him. And so they're, I think they're a sneaky team waiting in the trade deadline waters. The other one for the opposite reason, Atlanta. Atlanta is the 10 seed right now. Atlanta sucks. And they don't look like they like playing together. They've got some parts, man. DeJounte Murray might be on the way out, even though they traded three first-round picks for him. Maybe they move a DeAndre Hunter. Atlanta's a weird team. That's another team I could see going the opposite way of Orlando, being more sellers, not so much buyers at the deadline. I love DeJounte Murray. I mean, watching him Do you? play. Oh, God, yeah. I, I would If I were a GM, I'd trade for him in a second. He's kind of he's kind of a must-have if you have a, go, a hole at the guard position for me in the NBA right now. Perfect age. He's producing 20-plus a game. Mm-hmm. He shoots well. I mean, there's he he. He assists. There's really nothing. I, I've been betting on him a lot lately, like overs on three points. Uh, he hasn't necessarily hit those lately, but he fills up the stat sheet. Murray does. Uh, We're going to get some coaching audio today. Trevor Sikama at uh, PFF, their lead draft analyst, is in Mobile, Alabama. He'll join us at 7.30 for a look at the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, but coming up next, underrated part in sports that shows itself once in a while. I'll tell you what it is next, but for Schultz with a sports update. But if you try sometimes, well, you might find you get what you need. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. I got Schultz lying about getting breakfast with me. Well, then let's go today, man. <laughs> I thought you were joking when you said he, he uh, yeah, for, for you listeners, he like screamed in my ear during a break, like, wants a bacon and eggs after the show? It sounded like a joke or a quote from a TV show. And I was just like, hell yes. And we never. And then the show got over and you went, all right, see you later. I was like, oh, okay, all right. That was Thursday. Friday, I stuck around and we chatted. Actually, we walked out together. Don't make excuses. And then you. Don't, don't make excuses. You got stopped by King Sella oh, on King the way Sella. out. Paying off, well, he already paid off your bet, so I think he was just kind of giving a ribbon about that. King Sella arguing with, uh, arguing with me about urban hiking and the it's definitions. It's an urban hack. And he, uh, urban hack in Brandon. Brandon, it's not hack. It's not hack. It's urban walking. Okay. <laughs> Looked up the definition. We're both right. Yeah, we got Luke Anderson. Uh, we did. Luke, us Luke in came in and was like, here's week. the definition. And he's like, so we're both right. There we go. We all win. Um, I want to get to a uh, an ownership thing, but I, I, I also saw this story, and I had it on my show sheet. Have you read about the Tony Snell story? I have. This is definitely, it, it kind of hits my heartstrings a, a little Does bit. Does it? Because the internet, as it, ugly it, as it is, tends to is find ugly. the negative part or the way to scream at somebody. Tony Snell is a nine-year NBA veteran. Tony Snell's not in the league, but he's in the G League right now trying to make his way up. And you might say, well, okay, Tony Snell, former Blazer, great. The 0-0-0-0-0-0 stats guy that everybody passes around when somebody doesn't really perform in a game. Yeah, that Tony Snell. And it's not about being in the NBA as a player. It's so much as this, for him, is actually about medical insurance. So if he registers and he gets signed by today, today's the deadline for him. If he gets signed by today by a team for the rest of the year, he will be eligible for 10 years of NBA service. 
He has two young children that both have been diagnosed with autism. He is also on the spectrum. He found this out uh, once he left Portland. His career was kind of in limbo. He had found out that he was also on the spectrum somewhat. Both of his kids, very young kids, he's got a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, he found out that they're both on, they have autism. And he needs 10 years of service to qualify for the player Players Association's Retirees Benefits Program. Gotcha. Charles Barkley went on a big rant on this yesterday on Inside the NBA on TNT of just how great the league is and how great it's been to him and many others and how this feels like the easiest thing to do. If you're a team that's not getting talked about, you're a team that isn't very good, you're a team looking to garner goodwill and positive attention to yourself, doesn't this seem like kind of a no-brainer move? I know roster spots are fluid, and one spot is one spot, but a guy like Tony Snell that's put in the time but some weird stipulation cites that he's just short of it and he can't qualify for retiree or retiree medical benefits unless he gets signed today. Feels like a pretty easy win for a franchise to put Tony Snell on the roster and say, yeah, Tony, you're, you're not really going to play. You're older. Uh, you can't contribute maybe on the court so much, but be a good locker room guy. And we get the feel-good story of giving you the medical benefits by signing you to our team the rest of the season. It's interesting because Schultze, the internet, of course, has then, they dive into Googling Tony Snell net worth and say, well, you've got millions. How about, why would you stop complaining and just go get your own medical insurance? I don't know. It seems like something that everybody would want. And so Tony Snell is on the quest back to the NBA, not so much for his playing career, but more for medical insurance for his children. Well, let me just say, to preface this, I hope that he gets signed by somebody today. I don't think there's any reason, you know, that, that the lowly San Antonio Spurs or Portland Trailblazers, who still have a couple of two-way roster spots, I mean, there's there's a way that they could make this happen. Or, no, you know no, 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 not Schultz even a two-way. They only have 14 guys on their roster, so they could sign him to a contract, and there's a couple teams in the East that could at the you, bottom. You tell me the Pistons. The Pistons yeah. have been an embarrassment to the NBA this year. Exactly. They went on that long losing streak. They almost set history, broke records. Nobody got fired. Nothing happened in Detroit. They just oh. broke the losing streak. Just gave Monty $70 million. I don't think he can fire Well, him. that's true, too. Detroit is sitting right now with six wins. They are 6-41. and 41. If I was Detroit, and I've evaluated what the experience has been, I'd say it's just been nothing but negativity. Yeah why would I not just do this just to have a nice PR win? It's an easy move. Like, I it's not going to affect any of your draft status. You're going to be number one. You're going to be the worst team in the league. Who cares? Put them on the bench. Tell them to dress in a suit every game. What does it matter? Why would you not want a PR win if you're a team like the Pistons? Oh, no, it's an easy move, and I don't think that there's any world in which, I guess the internet sucks, but you wouldn't want somebody rich or not to be able to get some medical coverage. And the, and you know what? The NBA, MLB, NFL, that medical coverage, when you get on their 10-year plan, like it's pretty good. It's good coverage. Yeah, yes. the, and it's, it's definitely better than I would say like the average health plan for somebody. And... I get it. He's rich. However, medical costs are soaring. Come on, folks. 
millionaire or not, the dude has already, I get it. People are going to be like, Schultz, you're defending uh, a guy that makes a ton of money. We need to stop with the, our Google search said you have X amount of dollars, so that means you really have X amount of dollars. Exactly. We don't actually know how much money he has. We don't know. There's so many different tax rates. Every single athlete, and yes, they make millions, but they're taxed at almost a 60% rate. So anytime you see, I'm not saying feel sorry for them. I'm just trying no, to say yeah, like, I know. N- like, but no, we're going to get text. Oh, it's Schultz defending the rich guy. No, let me finish. I am saying that when you see an amount that like Tony Snell, where people were Googling what his career earnings were over $55 million. No, it's probably about 40% of that. And that's just overall time. Do you think that he still has... 20 some million dollars in his bank account no and when you have two kids with autism you have autism yourself there's going to be costs associated with that for your entire life i just think it's an easy thing for the league and teams to just say yeah we'll help you out and the deadline is today the story was written by jake fisher friend of the show uh coincidentally i tried to get him on for today to talk about the trade deadline and to bring up the fact that he wrote a good piece with tony snell on that uh, but the attention's out there, man. The story's out there. So we'll see if a team is going to do it. But it's kind of one of those, it's looming in the background of that sport. Uh, coming up next, Schultze, let's college football craziness and what it's leading to. Something going on in the NCAA and college football I want to talk about and what it's kind of leading to. Something that happened a couple days ago and happened again yesterday. So we'll talk about that coming up next on The Fan. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. Well, college football is uh, kind of in a weird, crazy spot right now. You can hear it from people that cover the sport. And it's what's nuts about it is how excited people are for next season. Uh, you know, Washington Husky fan is devastated losing a coach and in, in their entire starting offense and a ton of defensive guys and portal exits, but you know, jet fish is there and will Rogers decided to come back instead of opting into the portal again. And you know, maybe there's some optimism there that, yeah, maybe you won't win the big 10, but you can be feisty and take a step. And then in two years you can be back. Oregon is certainly feeling themselves right now. They're number one, two or three, depending on the publication with transfer portal and just in general, when you talk about college football championship odds, they're right in the thick of it. And there's all of these fans that are jacked for it and excited. And we've got, you know, conference realignment. Oregon State fan, as bummed as they were about the Pac-12 dissolving and kind of being left out, they're excited. Trent Bray, the guy decided to stay. He thought Jonathan Smith was doing it wrong. Like, a lot of fan bases... I think still genuinely excited about their programs and the way that they're going. And yet the sport itself is in this weird mess. It's just messy. It's the portal is sloppy. We've got two two signing days. Coaches constantly on the move or programs having to replace the coach because a bigger program took the coach. And, like, it's kind of ugly. And the craziness is still ensuing. Speaking of suing... Tennessee and Virginia have both sued the NCAA. Whoa. I didn't get to this yesterday, but they they both filed lawsuits. They, they're telling the NCAA to kick rocks because Tennessee is under investigation for NIL. It was leaked to the media what their investigation was and how, how they basically they got the Nico kid 
ink to a deal is what this investigation is about. While he was still technically a high school player, hey, we'll give you $8 million to come be a volunteer. How ironic, $8 million to be a volunteer. Uh, But they're being investigated, and they didn't like that that got leaked to the media. Florida's being investigated because of the Jaden Rashada stuff. Like, the NCAA is coming after some programs here, and they're they're pushing back. So Virginia jumped in on the lawsuit with Tennessee, and they're suing the NCAA because they're telling their NIL guidelines to kick rocks. And so yeah, you know, we, we cite him sometimes. He's a good friend of the show. I listened to Josh Pate yesterday and how the sport's in such a good place, and yet it just feels like it's not in a lot of ways and I I don't know how this is all going to morph and what it's going to become and how we're going to sort it out but in many ways we love it and we're watching it more and yet the sport itself kind of feels fundamentally broken right now and there's things they need to fix and coaches certainly I know they get paid a lot but coaches being stuck in this weird world of I have to recruit high school kids. Oh, and then we need you to recruit other players on other teams. And oh, we need you to go recruit your own roster because you might lose them to the portal. So as exciting as it all is, and many fan bases are jacked for what their teams will be next year, we're also sitting in a a point of uncertainty, questioning. It feels like leadership doesn't exist right now. And it's driving some coaches out. Now, I don't think Saban left just because of NIL and the portal. I certainly think that's part of the equation. But he also admitted he didn't have his fastball. He he was still a really good pitcher. Obviously got to the playoff. But didn't quite feel like he was his peak self. And so he left. We talked about the Boston College guy yesterday. There's another current coach, still the head coach, trying to get out of the sport. And so it's... Schultz, the whole thing is just odd to me that we're covering it, we love it, we're devoted to it, and yet it feels fundamentally broken right now. Well, I think uh, this is probably that broken feeling comes from all that uh, what we called CD activity happening behind the scenes where players were getting paid, you know, but but it was under the table where you were hearing about the rumors of, of different handshake deals happening. That's all been brought out to the forefront now. All that stuff is essentially legal minus, you know, a couple of, you know, you can't talk to a high school kid and sign him, you know, while they're still in high school. But did you see Noah Fafita's dad? He did an interview. Did you see this? I did not see Noah Fafita's dad. Noah Fafita's dad, the quarterback for Arizona, who him and his teammates largely, they lost a couple guys, but announced in a cool video, we're coming back. Yeah, yeah. big big return, yeah. It's massive. They they might be the best team in the Big 12 next year. I think it's them. I think it's Utah. We'll see what, uh, you know, like Oklahoma State, what they're going to be. But Arizona's got optimism. Noah Fafita's dad did an interview and said, the minute Jed Fish left, they were being hit up by programs. Of course. That's that's not how that works. His name wasn't in the portal. That's illegal. And I, I think that's the difficulty of it is how do you, not that they weren't doing this on the side, but like the transferring part of this is substantially different. You can say, well, bags of cash have always existed, Sprague. You're not wrong. But this one feels, this is different. This isn't a bag of cash. You didn't have transfers this way. You didn't have players who... Hey, your coach left, so you're immediately eligible to play at another team if you hit this 30-day portal window. 
Like Darius Clemens is an Oregon State receiver. Mm-hmm. He went from Michigan. Michigan lost Harbaugh. Darius Clemens is going to play next year. This wasn't what we had with the bags of cash era. It was still the haves and the have-nots, but it's 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 expanded itself. So I thought that was an interesting admission of, yeah, my son's not in the portal and he's getting hit up the minute his coach leaves. It's not great. It's it's just it and it's brutal for these coaches and these at these these football programs because what do you do to combat it? Uh, but, but does the NCAA have an incentive to fix it? This is essentially what... No, they feel flat-footed. Like, they don't know what's happening right now. It's kind of how this feels to me. Well, and they're making a ton more money. They've got a ton more eyes. They're still breaking records when it, when it comes to national championships, when it comes to people tuning into Viewership regular season games. Viewership up I, this year. And man. the distribution was up this it's year. It's the second biggest sport in North America. In, in America, the United States. Let's yeah. take Canada out of this. For just America, it's the second biggest sport we have. Mm-hmm. I love the NBA. A lot of you love baseball, and you continue. We'll continue to like those sports. College football is number two in in sports, and you know what? Like it feels like they're they're not ready to handle it. They're not equipped to handle this right now, and so there's this weird NCAA thing brewing. The NIL, the portal. It's just it's hard to follow it and maintain it. So I don't know what the fix is. And here's the breaking news: nobody does yet. There now, is maybe maybe Schultz, it's a CBA. Maybe it's mm. a players union because you can certainly make a point. We've jumped the they're student athletes. These are employees now. Their lives are. What are you majoring? Football, to quote yeah. Cardell Jones. We're in here to play school. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is for a lot of these programs and their kids. And I I just I'm I'm fascinated watching the evolution of this. I said this a, a couple months ago. We're in the moment now. We're living in the evolution of the sport as it moves closer and closer, as it already is, but it moves closer and closer to basically being the G League equivalent to the NFL with SEC and Big Ten and whatnot. There is no fix, Sprague, and that is because you always, whether or not these cases are happening behind closed doors or now we're hearing admissions from players' dads that they're getting hit up before these players even enter the transfer portal, this is all subjective. You're handling this as the entity that's disciplining these players or, or, or coaches subjectively. And I always will point to the example last season when LeBron James in the NBA, and this is true NFL, NBA, NCAA. I feel like all these you know major sports handling a ton of money and profits handle this stuff the same way. But when LeBron James came out, very publicly said, I don't care where it is. I don't care when it is. I'm going to play on the same team as my son, Bronny James. That's technically tampering. I mean, the fact that you're throwing that out there publicly, stating while you're under contract with another team, mind you, that you have future plans to sign with another team that you're not on, there's there's a lot of issue there. Nobody cared in the NBA. And when that happens, there's probably going to be calls that have, A, already been made to LeBron or plans that have already been discussed while he's under contract. That's technically not legal under NBA bylaws. Like So really, but, but nobody's going to pursue him for that. Nobody's going to pursue Bronny for that. And I, frankly, I find it stupid. And if you're not going to make the rule apply for everybody, don't make it apply at all. And you ask me, what's the solution? Well, then the, the, the solution is to get rid of all the rules, just have a player be able to be contacted at all times and have an agent in college football even say, hey, no, this guy's not interested. Or if you're under contract for a school from like September of 2023, it, it, it's got to last until like January 
10th of 2024 or something like that. There are ways to fix this, but if we just continue to subjectively punish some and not others, there will never be any any gain any any ground gained in this issue. You started that with saying there is no way to fix this and you ended by saying there are ways to they, fix No, maybe, this. but they're not going to I I I I, say, I just think that I think the LeBron thing is not an apt comp. I, I, uh, not in any way. Okay. Saying right. you have a desire to play for your kid one day there's with he's not kid. naming a team and if he's a free agent there's no that's not tampering there's no you're not but breaking there's, any there's going to be discussions before he's a free agent there've already been discussions i guarantee there that you you don't think that there haven't been calls about that and that's what i'm saying these kinds of calls as you mentioned well, who are you calling you don't know when he's leaving college or who he's getting picked by what calls are you making uh cleveland and miami he's already discussed i'm i i would bet the house i don't own that there are back channels either his people somebody's planning for this Bronny's well, uh, yeah. Planning for you, playing with your kid is one thing. Talking to team, like you can't talk to teams if you don't know who they're picking uh, and who's picking when. You can. I just don't think that's that. I don't think that's an apt comp. Okay. I think the problem, though, at some point, is going to get fixed. I just don't know who's going to be in a leadership position to fix it. But let's kick this over to the other side because there was a name that popped up that we're very familiar with in our area. And I think he's another case of I'm I don't want nothing to do with this. So we'll talk about that. Hour number two, Dirt and Spring on the fan. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the Tech filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Dirt and Sprague on Football Friday on 1080 The Fan. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app, follow 1080 The Fan, and enable push notifications to get the latest on the Ducks, Beavers, Blazers, and more. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here. 1080 The Fan. The Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2 and YouTube.com slash 1080 The Fan. If you miss any of the hours of the show, 1080 The Fan's podcast section, you can uh, find that, 1080TheFan.com, and you can reach the show at the Vancouver 4 text line, 503 503- 864-6326. They teach you right before, during, and after the sale. Visit them for more information at VancouverFord.com. Trevor Sikama is going to join us from Mobile, Alabama. He's covering the Senior Bowl for PFF. He's their lead draft analyst. Get his thoughts on Bo Nix, uh, JPJ, Fuaga, Trice, all the names in the Pacific Northwest, how they're doing at the Senior Bowl. They're getting rave reviews 
especially JPJ. He is uh, looked at as one of the best offensive line prospects. He's made himself a lot of money during these Senior Bowl practices, and the game, of course, is on Saturday. I'll dive into the Ducks and Beavers coming up here at 7.15. They were on the road at L.A. last night. Uh, Ducks getting a convincing win, although the end of that game was a little uh, nerve-wracking. And Oregon State goes on the road, and they basically cannot play basketball. They are an entirely different team when they go on the road. We were talking about the craziness of college football right now. B1G radio station here now that Oregon is in the Big Ten Conference. Pac-2 B1G uh, radio station. And just how it's as big as the sport's ever been, and yet in a lot of ways as broken as the sport has ever felt. And the craziness of that has kind of all these wrinkles to it. And one of them was we lost the Boston College coach, Halfley. Jeff Halfley, he decided to go be the D coordinator in Green Bay. We had another one pop up, and it was it was rumored a week ago, but his name popped up even more yesterday. UCLA's head coach, Chip Kelly, is actively interviewing for offensive coordinator jobs. Cliff Kingsbury, who was uh, OC slash quarterback coach for USC last year, and Caleb Williams, He's agreed to a deal to be the Raiders coach or offensive coordinator with Antonio Pierce. He averaged 23.6 points per game in the NFL, and he did have that one good year with Arizona where they ended up losing in the playoffs. But ultimately, Cliff Kingsbury always thought of, you know, obviously has his ties to Texas Tech and whatnot. He's an OC with the Raiders, so he has gone back to the National Football League. Chip Kelly was one of the finalists for that job. Chip Kelly. Uh, has ties to Dan Quinn, and so many people are wondering if he's going to interview and try to be the OC uh, in Washington. The, the interesting part of this is he's still the head coach at UCLA. How are the Bruins handling all of this? Their head coach is, like, not saying it, or maybe he has, but I mean, he's basically telling you, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be that coach of a college program. I want to just coach offense in the National Football League Another one, and not that Chip Kelly leaving college is shocking. He clearly has never liked recruiting. That goes back to Oregon. Uh, But he wants to abandon being the head coach at UCLA, and so it's like another part of the craziness of college football. Chip Kelly wanting to be the OC of a football team in the NFL. Is he a good hire for an OC job? Damn right he is. I mean, you think he is? Yes, this he revolutionized college football offenses and in it's 2010 it's been long enough now he's 14 years ago it, well, let, me, let me make my point he's been in the game long enough to where i think he is he is open to other voices he's not just running his offense like he was in 2010 he's never had another marcus mariota he's not he's never had players as talented as he did in that time in oregon I, i'm well, whose so, fault is that it, it, I, I, I would, his. He's the head coach of UCLA. He's in L.A. I would say it's because he hates recruiting. And I don't really know so much about his staff. Does he have anybody there that's kind of a uh, recruiting specialist? Like, are there a couple his of guys? His staff fell apart. He lost Ryan Gunderson to Oregon State, who's now the OC in Corvallis. And he lost his D coordinator, uh, Lynn. USC just came in and took him. So his lead D coordinator, who had one of the best defenses in the conference, gone, poached to the other L.A. school. Yeesh. And his offensive guy, uh, gone, he's gone to Oregon State. His staff has been, it's been plucked through. And, you know, I not that there's a huge contingent of UCLA football fan in Portland, but I think any UCLA fan in the Portland area would tell you, yeah, you know, not been great. It's not been the experience. He was, he was long for the Florida job 
he almost got the Florida gig, and he chose to go to U- uh, UCLA. That has not gone the way that he thought. Yeah, DTR, that was a nice uh, final season for him, but ultimately it's not been what it once was at Oregon. No, but uh, making making sense of him leaving UCLA, I mean, if there, there's no staff there, he's got to do all that work. It just speaks to, now I'm not sure Seattle would hire him. Are you asking the question, like, will he leave? I think he would, but would Seattle bring him on? It sounds like Seattle's eyeing Ryan Grubb, uh, the yeah, OC at Alabama. Yeah, yeah, they're looking, uh, Ryan Grubb's not really liking Tuscaloosa so much, and he's thinking he might want to move back to Washington and, and move to the NFL. Well, he wouldn't have to recruit either, but that's the thing. I think Chip Kelly if he is really willing not, you know, hey, it's like, I don't need to be the head voice, not to to be the guy yelling in the room. There's no reason why he couldn't be hired by one of the 32 teams of the NFL. I, I, I see no reason why why somebody wouldn't take a chance on him. I, uh, I, I was reading about Cliff getting hired by the Raiders and what Antonio Pierce was aiming to have accomplished offensively, Schultze, and I'm reading about these numbers from Cliff Kingsbury's offenses Somebody put out a picture and said, Devontae Adams, welcome to your route tree. And it was DeAndre Hopkins in Kingsbury's last year. He, it was just one game, but in that one game, he didn't have one route that went past 12 yards. Like, well, enjoy. Like, that's not the NFL, man. you got to move the ball down yeah, the you field. Do. got to take shots. You, you, you got to, and his route trees were all within like 8 to 10 yards at most. None of, no, it wasn't even 10. It was like 6 to 8 yards. That's DeAndre Hopkins. Devontae Adams, he's a big play guy. He's a home run hitter. And so good luck to the Raiders. We'll see how that works out for him. I would rather have Chip Kelly. Yeah. I would rather have Chip Kelly as my play caller in the NFL because even though I pushed back on the, you know, what he did, and his time at Oregon was special. But again, that was a long time ago. He made his own bet at UCLA. He has nobody to blame but himself. He's the head coach. If he wanted a staff that was elite, if he wanted this and he wanted that, that's on him, man. He dictates those terms. Go out and recruit. He doesn't like recruiting. He wants to just coach football. And I get it. I do. His personality is kind of perfect for it. I'm I'm being interested to see if D.C. gets him the job. I don't know so much about Seattle. The noise is loud in Seattle with Ryan Grubb. That report came out yesterday. We'll get to the coaching audio. Mike McDonald, Jim Harbaugh, Dave Canales. I watched all these press conferences I'll tell you who I thought kind of, quote-unquote, won the press conference. Not that that means anything. But a guy that I thought instilled a lot of, hey, okay, this is kind of getting me up. But if you're looking for an offensive mind, Chip Kelly just having to come in and focus on offense and X's exactly. and O's and schematics and not cruiting and not running the day-to-day not operations, the not being the guy, just, hey, Chip, once in a while, once in a blue moon, the media is going to want to talk with you. But for the most part, you'll be left alone. You don't have to crew. You don't have to run the day-to-day. You just worry about offense, man. That's all I need you to do. Seems like a nice role for him. I'll be curious to see if Dan Quinn, though, also feels that way. Yeah, young, talented quarterback in the NFL. I'm sure that an offense that's, I mean, they're going to be trying to remake themselves, but I'm assuming if they did look at Chip Kelly, they would have some weapons for him to work with. It's a great situation. Yes, he he revolutionized college football 14 years ago, but as he just said, you got to take shots. You got to move the ball down the field, and we all know Chip can do that. Uh, let's, uh, speaking of chip, let's talk a little Oregon and Oregon state basketball. They're on the road in Los Angeles. Talk about that coming up next on 1080, the fan.
This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. We already got a little bit of Super Bowl trash talk from one team. We'll talk about that a little bit. Trevor Sikama, PFF, he's their lead draft analyst. He's in Mobile, Alabama. He's going to join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his read on all the big prospects at the Senior Bowl. Uh, one of our listeners tweeting us saying, I, I think Chip wants to leave US- UCLA because he knows his offense will not work in the B1G. He'll fail, plus he doesn't want to head coach. He's lazy. I don't think he's lazy. I just I think he really only cares about X's and O's of football, schematics, drawing up game plans, and nothing else. And I don't know what UCLA does because that job's weird in general to me in football, but he might not be gone. He might still be the head coach of UCLA, which, man, that's such a weird position to be in. Hey, I tried to leave this summer, and it didn't work. And then there were questions about him getting fired, what, three games before the end of the year? Oh, they've year. had airplanes flying with signs, fire chip for a long time, but he, he just signed an extension, and UCLA's broke. So um, yeah, it, it's a weird development going on down at uh, Westwood slash Pasadena, which that in itself is what outlies the weird part of UCLA. Uh, Ducks and... Beavers men's basketball in Los Angeles right now. The Ducks got a nice win. Uh, not that USC is good. USC's pretty bad. I I was, wa- I was watching both of these games, dual screening it, and I was just shocked how bad Andy Infield's team is. God, they're bad. And Oregon went out there and went in, like they played their best game. Uh, Shellstad had a nice showing. You got some big plays from Enfali. You got some nice plays from Cousinard. Uh, But for the most part, handled business against the Trojans. UCUSC did have a little bit of a comeback at the end there. Pressed them, but Oregon was able to maintain, hold on, and they get a much-needed win because Arizona beat California. So they're trying to stay right within striking distance at the top of the conference. They beat the Trojans, and the Beavers went down to UCLA. That was a weird line. Ten and a half was a lot of points for a UCLA team that I don't think is very good. Yeah, I bet that Oregon State line. You did? I did. You gamble on college basketball? Yeah, last night. What else was there? There were four NBA games, and the NHL All-Star Weekend is starting off. So there was so literally... So the Pro Bowl. Uh, Dodgeball. Feel it, the mojo. Yeah, so it was literally NBA and college basketball. An offshore degenerate college basketball gambler. I, I love it. Damn right I am. Uh, Oregon State on the road is not anything that they are at home. And I know certainly you can point to a lot of programs that say... Yeah, they go on the road. They're not as good. Their numbers are jarring when they go on the road. They're 60. I mean, it's a 16-point swing. Percentages are all over the place. And Oregon State in a position. They were hanging with UCLA. They went a five-minute stretch without scoring and still were in striking distance. Kept it, you know, right in that four- to five-point range. Didn't get much. Outside of uh, Bilodeau, who was their leading scorer, and Pope being good, they ain't get a whole lot. Their starting center is not very good, and I don't know what it is, but Wayne Tinkle's team goes on the road, and they can't perform at all. If you can't beat USC, you pack it up for the year because that, that, it's a done deal. USC is the worst team in the conference. They should at minimum be able to win that game. Uh, but Oregon keeping up with Arizona and Oregon State still being stuck at the depths of hell within the Pac-12 conference. Just hearing you say USC is the worst team in the conference, just it makes my heart sick. That makes baby. you feel good? Oh, that makes my sports pants tight. Mm. Sorry, love you, Danny Meringue. I'm sure he's not I really... don't think he cares about no, USC No, yeah, he's not living and dying on the success Unless of they're USC good. Basketball. He's that kind of college basketball guy. Well, I think I'm kind of that college basketball guy, too, because if the Ducks were ranked number five in the country right now, I'd be like, yeah, and Folly Dante, player of the year. But, mm. you know, I digress. 
Three and seven in conference versus seven and three in conference. That's what we have right now in our state. <laughs> I, I told you, I think a couple weeks ago when I was here in for swag, the Beavers really should have tried to, to to shift gears in their college basketball game like years ago. I get it, the the elite run or the elite eight run with Tinkle. I guess you still have the feels about that, but I don't know. This was a good situation if, and this is just hindsight being 2020, if you had the foresight to see that the conference was starting to break apart, maybe put a little bit of investment into that lesser-known program because, uh, guess what? NIL works in college basketball, too. There's guys going to FAU University because it's in Florida. Like Final got, Four team, though. But nobody knew that they were going to be a Final Four team at that point, and I feel like NIL kind of helped a team like Florida Atlantic University become a Final Four team. So, Beavers, if you got some money, if you got some of that uh, alumni dollars coming your way, I, you, yeah. you could make that change as well. They're not in that position. No, they're not. Um, I don't know what Tinkle's going to do. Even 10 years, and he's got a couple runs, but... And it was Craig mm. Robinson before that. It's just been a lot of lackluster. Yeah, the hoops program's largely been irrelevant since the Orange Express, which sucks. I, I, I love, I love that you got success in baseball. You know, forever a Pat Casey fan. I'm a I, I Beavers think... baseball guy, but but I just you want to see your college basketball team do better. There's a chance to be represented on the national stage that y'all are missing. Uh, Oregon UCLA should be fun because UCLA's not great this year. But they've come on a little bit. They've gotten out of their, you know, their slow start. I'm watching more college hoops this year than I traditionally have. Okay. I think part of the reason for that is I'm interested to see what year ten is for Tinkle. Oregon's coming off a non-tournament season, so like some people, and I don't think it's very many questioning Altman, which I think they're going to be right back in the tournament this year. And Portland's going to have a good draft. They might have two. They're probably going to have two picks. Because Golden State's not very good. Yep. And so just kind of fascinated to see what in the college basketball landscape it kind of looks like for talent. Again, not a great draft. Um, but just keeping up with it. Oregon-UCLA should be a fun one. Oregon State has to win at UC USC. If you can't beat USC, and I think most Beaver fans in general have kind of pivoted already to the baseball stuff. Because the, the program's not giving them a whole lot. The Elite Eight run was fun. It was monumental but it's already been a couple years and they haven't responded uh, necessarily i know they went on a youth movement here a rebuild but uh, pope is god pope is a killer billado was good last night they just they, they can't find whatever it is they're lacking from the road to uh, from home to the road and so they're stuck in this kind of bottomless bottomless uh you know tough route within the conference that's not even very good it's not even a good conference no, the pac-12 has never been it's one of very the mediocre and it's very top heavy only and you know they're kind of at the bottom of that so it's really unfortunate but oregon is still rolling here so i'm keeping tabs with oregon oregon state watching some of the prospects uh that are going to be kind of lingering in the draft within the conference and we'll see what happens when both of them take on uh, UCLA and USC as they switch now, they're both in LA. Uh, was Jordan Pope like a, a big, like four-star recruit guy for freshman of the year last year? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But but getting him out of high school, like how I don't really know what the Beavers do recruiting wise. So they don't do very well. Well, it's just, so it's like, well, how do the Beavers succeed more? Uh, Jordan Pope uh, times three, but it just doesn't sound like they get their hands on guys that often. Unfortunately, uh, he was a three-star point guard. Three-star point. Guard. I mean, he's a, he's not a very big guy. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of break 
break through when you're, you know, you're six foot nothing. But, yeah, but a lot of college teams have guys like that that, that well, do break good. through. Well, he's good. There's a reason that programs keep sniffing around his services, and he's been asked multiple times about his commitment long term, which it's another part of the NIL world that sucks is you end up uh, potentially losing talent. I hope he doesn't leave. I like watching him play basketball. He's like one of the only bright spots uh, for Oregon State hoops. Uh, let's go to the senior bowl. Trevor Sikama of uh, Pro Football Focus. He is the lead draft analyst for PFF. Get his thoughts on how everybody's performing down in Mobile next for the Daily Ticker, but for Schultz with a sports update. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How do you do that? I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. It is Daily Ticker time here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. And uh, I'm excited. For our guest here, Schultz, I've talked about the Senior Bowl. It's it's got me. Its hooks are in. Its teeth is sunk into the neck. I'm I'm all in. I love the Mobile Alabama Senior Bowl. It's become quite the event. Uh, Trevor Sikama of PFF, their lead draft analyst, is joining us. Uh, he's on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. You can find his great work at pff.com. Uh, Trevor, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. This uh, I said on Monday. This event feels like it's been big, but it feels like it's growing every single year and in a lot of ways kind of rivaling the combine. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me, Ben, and I I completely agree. You know, this year in particular, uh, I think you looked at this roster on paper coming into the week, and I've been doing this full time. It is my seventh senior bowl, I believe, so I've been doing this a little bit now. I think top to bottom, this is the most talented senior bowl roster that, that I've ever seen. And obviously you have, you know, like some of the guys will drop out before the event starts, you know, like some will you know, get hurt and kind of be out of the lineup. So maybe the game won't have as much of the product as we saw before the week began. But still, I mean, even the fact that there were all those stacked players accepting these invites to be able to play at this event, what we saw out on the field, I think, was just a testament to the work that Jim Nagy and his staff has, have put together here for the Senior Bowl and, and putting together, like you said, a really, really great product. You know, the Combine is very – it's a different feel. You get more interviews from these players. You know, you're, you're learning more about who they are as a person, and um, you get some of that athletic testing, of course. But the pads are still on at this event. Like, you get real football at this event, and I think both of those things are very important when it comes to uh, – a lot of people turning the page, a lot of casual fans, if you will, of the draft kind of turning the page from the regular season, getting into draft season. It's a great way to uh, to intro a lot of these guys that are in this class. I want to get to some of the, the names for us out here on the West Coast that we're familiar with and how they're performing, but I want to ask you something you just hit on there. Was the expectation going into it, Trevor, that this was going to be the most talented, or is it something that as soon as the guys got there and padded up, a lot of people, including maybe yourself, just thought, oh, man, this is, this is a little different than we, this is the best one. Did you think that going in? 
Yeah, so with my title at Pro Football Focus, I do a lot of draft work year-round. And so I'm kind of building out the big board and the prospect list uh, Mm -hmm. pretty early. You know, I'm I'm doing a lot of that in in October and November. So I was very familiar with a lot of these players, so I was super impressed. But even that being the case, I think a lot of people who, again, like I said, are, are, are getting an introduction into this draft class for the first time got a real treat. And, you know, with the COVID year still existing for a lot of these guys in college football, you have these players who have that extra year of experience. Maybe, ha- maybe in, in previous seasons, maybe they would have had to come out last year, but they had that extra year of eligibility. So it's another year to work, another year to get better. I mean, I think about guys like, you know, Christian Jones from Texas, a five-year starter at offensive tackle. Who You go, ah, man, okay, experience, but why is he still, why isn't he in the NFL yet? What's going on? Well, this past year was his best year yet, and he's out here at the Senior Bowl playing very, very well. So might have been a little bit of an afterthought, but that extra year, uh, getting to see him out here in Mobile, that, it's something that was proven very valuable. So I think the combination of uh, of all of those things has made for a really talented group this year. Trevor Sikama is our guest here, PFF.com lead draft analyst, as he noted there. So he's been following this stuff year-round all the time. And now he's down in Mobile, Alabama, as we got the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And I can't wait to see it Saturday at 10 a.m. Let's start with a local player. I was texting with a friend of mine who covers some recruiting-based stuff up here in the Pacific Northwest. And he said that I I don't know if a player's made more money for themselves than Jackson's Power Johnson, uh, who's, you know, just outperforming a lot of metrics and and just the way kind of people viewed him going into the event. There's some video clips that have circulated just overpowering defensive linemen. What have you made from the center from Oregon and Powers Johnson and how he's been performing? Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome. You know, he was a top 60 player for us on our big board going into the week. And so, you know, it's not like this guy was seen as a, a day three player and has vaulted himself up to uh, to top 50 status. But still, there were questions about Jackson Powers Johnson specifically. You know, Oregon's got him listed at a pretty heavy weight, which you'd like to see as an interior offensive lineman, especially when you turn on the film and see how well he moves. He did measure in uh, at, uh, I believe, six foot three, 335 pounds, which is big for a center and an <laughs> offensive guard. But again, you get out there, the pads come on. He looks like he's moving at 310. You know, he looks like he's 25 pounds lighter. And so it's those light feet, the coordinated feet combined with that power that he's got in that giant barrel of a chest that he has. I mean, he was he was stopping people with power. He was stopping people with speed. And so he was super, super impressive. But another question that he answered this week is, okay, we know what you can do at center. We've seen it on tape at Oregon. But this event is great for putting guys in different situations, right? Outside corners, they'll put them in the slot to see what they do there. You know, guys who are more off coverage players, they'll put them in press coverage to see how they do there. On the offensive line, you go, okay, well, if this guy's got some versatility, let's put him at all these spots. So he got reps not only at center, but at guard as well. He still looked just as comfortable, just as confident. And I think that you mentioned it. He was one of the biggest winners. Not that he took the biggest leap up the big board, but I think he solidified himself as a first-round pick this week. Uh, his teammate, the one that he was hiking the ball to, had a nice little two-year turnaround for his career. You know, he wanted to be at Auburn for his whole life, and that was the place. It didn't go quite how he thought. He comes out to Eugene, Bo Nix, and he has a Heisman campaign. Uh, what, have, what have you made of Bo Nix? I know he's a little older than most of the seniors and even most of the prospects. He's in college. He liked, to, he liked the process, like playing in college football. What have you made of Bo Nix, and, and how has he looked out there? So I like Nix. I really do. I thought that he's kind of a fringe first-round quarterback for, for a while now. And, 
you know, this week, it was, a, it was a slow build for him. I thought they ended well yesterday um, in the final practice on Thursday. But at the beginning of the week, I just felt like he was, he was tight. Like he, was, like he wasn't playing loose, you know. I, I watched there's a couple of underthrows from him. He just, like, he wasn't letting it rip. I feel like he was thinking too much about it. And that can sometimes happen in events like this where you know it's a job interview, right? You know that every snap that you take is being evaluated. You know, the media part of this is, is so big now that – Everyone's got a camera out recording what you're doing 24-7 when you're at one of these events, especially when you're out on the field. The scouts are playing close close attention. So they know every rep matters, and that can be something that is a lot of pressure. And so I would have liked for Knicks to come out and play a little bit more relaxed, but I think you did see a little bit of that on day three on, on Thursday. I felt like he ended the week, I feel, at least with his strongest day. But the accuracy wasn't as good as I've seen from him on tape. You know, simply because I just I think he was playing a little wound up too tight. He wasn't playing as loose. So we'll see how he plays in the game uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, we're talking with Trevor Sikkim, a PFF leave draft analyst on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Go find his latest work at PFF.com. He's covering and following the Senior Bowl, which the game is on Saturday on the NFL Network. Uh, an offensive lineman in our state, but for a different team, Talise Fuaga. It, it was a beast in Corvallis. There was no questioning the greatness that he was showing on that offensive line and that offensive line group was uh, you know some of the best groups in college football during his time in Corvallis he is I think a lot of mock drafts that get released here Trevor and I'm always curious how you interpret people throwing out mock drafts given that you cover this stuff year-round uh, he's anywhere from like a 12 to 21 range type guy in the first round how has he performed uh, in Mobile yeah, so Fuaga has been one of my favorite guys in this draft class for, for a while. And, and and not to stake my claim on, oh, I was first on him. That's not <laughs> what I mean when I say that. But I have the luxury of getting some eyes on these guys pretty early. And I actually didn't didn't know Fuaga wasn't really on my radar going into the season. And uh, actually a buddy of mine who follows college football very closely, he's like, hey, you got to take a look at this right tackle. He's draft eligible from Oregon, from Oregon State. And he's kicking ass out there. And I was like, all right. So I turn on the tape and I go, whoa, okay. We're, I mean, we're talking about this is a future NFL offensive tackle with how well he was playing. So before the rest of, I'd say, like a lot of the media, even draft media, kind of got their big boards and their rankings out and things like that, I had him ranked pretty high. And this has happened before. You know, I've seen, okay, I really like this guy's tape. He's going to be higher on my big board. But sometimes you get – you know, mock drafts from, say, Daniel Jeremiah or, you know, Mel Kuyper. These guys who are very plugged in where they do mock drafts, not just from what they're seeing from these guys, but also what they are hearing from NFL teams, from scouts, and where they think a guy is going to land. And it's not always that that lines up. Sometimes I'm just a lot higher on a guy than it seems like the NFL is going to be. But we've got those mock drafts that are now out, some of those rankings that are out. And Fuaga did end up being a top 20 player for that and it made it made me happy because I'm like good I, he is a great football player and I was really excited to see him at this senior bowl event uh, he did not disappoint he won with power so much I mean he is he is such a dictating type of offensive tackle it's something I love uh, about Darnell Wright last year from Tennessee the guy who goes top 12 in last year's draft he even in pass blocking he brings the fight to you. He is dictating the contact. He is dictating things with power. But we even saw some speed offensive linemen try to get the better of him going up the arc, around the outside shoulder, and yet he had the quick footwork to beat guys to the spot, beat guys to the angle, to his landmark, if you will. And I think he checked those boxes as well. So to me, 
He went into this event as a potential top 20 pick. I don't think he did anything to change that, and I still think that's the range for him uh, moving forward. Wow, that's uh, that's great stuff to hear because I think a lot of Beaver fans are rooting hard for him. He had a great career at Oregon State. Uh, you, you mentioned Bo Nix and being a little tight. Uh, his counterpart from Washington, who bested Nix and his team bested Nix in the Pac-12 title game, uh, Michael Penix Jr. had a nice season for himself. There are obvious injury concerns, I think, from the NFL scouting departments, but and he's also a little bit uh, older than normal quarterbacks, uh, obviously staying in college football and transferring. What did you make of Michael Penix? How are people perceiving Michael Penix? Is is it system label guy or is it no arms very different? Accuracy is pinpoint. How do, how do, how did Penix? How has he fared so far in these uh, these one on ones, these matchups, these practices? Yeah, first of all, I'm not really worried about the age. I'm not. I mean, we're, we're living in a world where you've got quarterbacks playing well into their late 30s, sometimes in the the rare instances, even 40s. And so I think it's – I understand why people bring this up, but I do think it's a little strange how much people harp on, oh, Penix, he's going to be an older prospect. I mean, who cares? He he could be two contracts in and still be, you know, 34, 35 years old. And so uh, if you get a decade out of a player, no matter where you draft him in the NFL draft, uh, that is a success. So I'm not really worried about that, especially where the position is going. But I thought the Penix had a good week. You know, he he – He's got those long arms, measured him with super long arms. He's got that unorthodox release, but that ball just rockets off of his hand. And I think you were able to see that during the practice portions here. And he wasn't throwing next to Joe Milton. You know, Joe Milton from Tennessee was on the other team, but those two guys had the strongest arms of the, of the players that were here. But I think that Penix was more impactful with his arm strength, more accurate with his arm strength. Now, it still wasn't perfect. That's an issue that I think a lot of people have noted in their scouting reports is ball placement can sometimes be an issue. With those longer arms, it is a longer release. It is more things that could potentially go wrong with how you are motioning the football up past your shoulder and when it's coming out of your hand. And so Penix just has to deal with that, having the longer arm. But it was very clear, you know, him and that quarterback group with Bo Nix and and even Sam Hartman as well, that Penix had that stronger NFL-type arm. He's got that NFL-type velocity. And I think overall, he probably had the best week of any of the quarterbacks there. Not that it was you know, far and away incredible, but I still think if you believe that he was a fringe first-rounder, you can still hold on to that. If you believe that he was, okay, more of a day-two pick, I think there are reasons where that was fortified. So I just feel as though it's kind of status quo for Michael Penix, but that's not to say it still can't be a first-round pick. I still think there is a chance that that could be the case, even with his age and eligibility, um, or his, his age and his injury history, given what we saw from him this past season at Washington. I, I appreciate you saying what you said at the beginning there. I just, when I read these mocks, Trevor, I always, you know, he is a little older. I appreciate you saying, who cares? Because I've kind of had that thought, but when people are covering it saying, well, he's a little older, I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll throw that into consideration for whatever reason. So I appreciate you kind of making me uh, dismiss it now. I don't care anymore. Your coverage has been fantastic, man. We're we're already against it, so I, I have millions of questions. I'd love to catch up with you around the combine or closer to the draft because I you're really informative. You're really plugged in on this stuff. And the closer we get to the draft, we can talk about some of the other players that aren't seniors or or in Mobile, Alabama, and how you feel about all of them. Uh, so thanks for hopping on the show this morning, man. Great insight and great coverage. Yeah, of course, guys. Anytime. Looking forward to hopping back on with you. All right, there we go. Good stuff. Trevor Sikama of uh, PFF Lead Draft Analyst uh, with a check-in from Mobile, Alabama. we got the Senior Bowl on Saturday at 10. A little Super Bowl look-ahead in 
in this way. And I'll tell you how next on The Fan. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. It's crunch time. Let's go! Where Dirt and Sprague crunch the hot topics you want to hear. What's the pressure? Don't sit here and act like there's no... We get nervous teeing off in front of a gallery on the 10th hole at Eastmoreland. Crunch time. Brought to you by Crunch Fitness. With memberships as low as $9.99 per month. Find your crunch time in Portland, Vancouver, and online at crunch.com. All right, welcome back in. Nice little Friday. We've got an early spring coming. It looks like a great jobs report, so the economy is uh, not not so bad right now. Feeling good here on a football Friday. Uh, we uh, we have a lot of Super Bowl stuff to dive into. Really good stuff, by the way, from Trevor Sikkim. I really enjoyed the conversation and the insight. Uh, he is a great example, that interview of Schultz's Twitter allowing you to think one thing when the reality is slightly different. I have heard that trope on older quarterbacks going into the NFL before, and, it, and I've always wondered why are they looked down upon. Yeah, why? like, oh, he's 21, but he's 23, and that's a big if, deal. If you're good, you're good, right? If you, Wouldn't you want a really talented 24-year-old quarterback over a, a decent or good 21-year-old quarterback? That doesn't make any sense Well, the thing for me was more so, like, I've seen the clips. Yeah. The clips get sent out. Hey, look at this guy. And Bo has had some nice clips. Michael Penix has had some nice clips. And on Bo, he goes, eh, a little tight. And Penix even, it's like, he's been good, but not great. Trying to poke holes in it. That dude's sitting on the sidelines watching all day. Yeah. And it's funny, like, Twitter would have you believe that Bo Nix and Michael Penix were out there looking like one and two picks or two and three picks in the draft. Reality is, he says Knicks has been playing a little tight. And who can blame Knicks? I mean, that's a it's basically a big job interview. Hey, go throw your best football in front of all the scouts. We'll see what happens with the draft. He's still kind of mocked in that mid, you know, first round. We also have the the other bowl game, not the senior bowl, but the East West Shrine Bowl for the non-seniors mm-hmm. involved. So a lot of the scouting stuff is coming out right now. So it's good stuff from Trevor Sikama. You can catch that podcast at 1080thefan.com. Um, we got a Super Bowl look ahead here as we dive in next week more, but Nick Bosa was asked what's he noticed about Kansas City's offensive line, and here we go. They hold a lot. Oh, yes. Thank you, Nick Bosa. I appreciate Shocking. you. Uh, throwing it at Juwan Taylor and company in Kansas City, they hold a lot. And I will tell you, as a fan of one of these teams that most of America's picking against, I'm already mentally putting myself in a bad spot where I'm seeing Nick Bosa record zero sacks and Jawan Taylor with confetti on his head. Hold it a lot, huh? Held your ass to no sacks. I can already, like, envision it, and I'm trying not to go there and be pessimistic. But Nick Bosa, big man, play football, hit hard. What do you notice? Hold a lot. Like, okay, great. You're not wrong. I think you have an advantage here. But we've seen this before backfire where it's like guy points out weakness, team with weakness doesn't isn't weak there. Puts it up on the board yeah. during the week. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I'm not really convinced after the whole Justin Tucker uh, incident last week that the Kansas City Chiefs need more fuel to their fire. Well, like, I don't think it's going to make them play shut. better. But yeah, it's Schultz. It's like, couldn't you just, you know, fib a little bit? I like, I, I appreciate the honesty, but also fan of me. Could you just fib a little bit? Because now I have fears that. Somehow, Jawan Taylor is going to be the greatest right tackle 
in NFL history on Sunday next week. It's not even that. It's more so that I think the referees who have been terrible this season, just absolute ass in the NFL. I mean, holds when they weren't there, missing holds throughout the game, and I get it. You could call a hold technically on every play. You know what? Why don't you? Why don't we actually teach these guys correctly? But but I, I, I digress. So, so that's really what I'm more worried about is the NFL referee side of things. Hearing that comment, oh, they don't hold, do they? Well, we're, we're it's like th- then they're going to make the call on whether they're going to actually throw the flag on that or not. The Niners announced that they're flying the entire staff. They did this in the last Super Bowl. They, they're doing it again. They're flying every single person who works for the 49ers and giving them a free trip to Vegas. That's really cool. Multiple charter planes. They're flying into Vegas. And here's the crazy thing. You might be saying, well, where do they sit? Maybe they sit in the stands. Also, might be sitting in a suite. Have you seen the prices for these suites? It got to be like what a hundred, two hundred grand. You're pretty close. Christian McCaffrey's mom did an interview, uh-huh. and she was asked about it and said, "Hey, I bet you got a nice suite in that Vegas stadium." And she said, "No, they're five hundred thousand dollars. Half a mil." She goes, "Even money bags, Christian over there can't. He well can't, but doesn't. You know, that's a lot of no, money. That that's." Mm, so they're going to be sitting in regular no. seats, and you don't have to feel bad. They're kids in the Super Bowl. They're going to have a great view of the game. They have access, all access. Yeah, but yeah, they it, get to go anywhere. Right, but it was insane. And then people dug in and looked, and you've got suites. Schultz, you've got million-dollar mm-hmm. suites in this stadium. They're beautiful. I, I, a mil- like, they're not worth a million dollars. Who's going to this game? I, I continue to be on this. There's no corporate. real diehard fan that can afford to go to this game. This is just companies providing big wig, you know, associates to the game because I don't know how anybody's affording this thing. It's crazy. I've always, and, and everybody comes back, I mean, oh, Schultz, this is what the Super Bowl's for. It's a co- corporate event. I have always pushed back on that. I I wish that you would set aside 10,000 tickets and put them, you know, not at 10 bucks for the Super Bowl, but but oh, some no. some sort of you know, available price to the not every man, maybe, but the upper middle class person, a, a couple hundred to a few hundred, depending. Like, have a lottery, you know, like like run a thousand tickets, like in a in a in a master style lottery, and then make the money on everything else. But but giving no chance, absolutely no <laughs> chance at all to the everyday NFL fan yeah. to get into the Super Bowl. It's wow. just always eating my craw. And everybody's oh, dude, it's for the it's for the spendy companies. I get it, but they just don't try at all to get the everyday fan. It sucks. I don't think people actually like that it's become that. I think I don't think you get pushback. I think you get more people like yeah. Be great. Like I know, season ticket holders, I believe, get put in that lottery system, but it's on them if they uh, want to pay those prices. It's just it's it's crazy, and to have nine hundred thousand dollars suites at these stadiums, I, I okay, that's too much for a suite anywhere. I mean, I, there's some I saw one of the one of the suites was pretty was pretty nice. No, no, it, it is pretty nice. It's premium. I think the Raiders are kind of like uh, the the new stadium in Texas for the Rangers, where you've got different suites at field level as well. Sure, and, and those are probably going to be the spendiest ones. I love that kind of view, but gosh, man, if that's only going to go to a guy or gal that that's spending a ton of money to be there, that doesn't care about football, that only cares about seeing their advertising dollars moving, I, I hate it. I hate this world that we live in. Uh, let's get to a lot of the coaching hires. Harbaugh, Canales, McDonald. I want to talk about all of them. We'll spread the line at 8.30. Uh, but that was Crunch Time brought to you by Crunch Fitness. Uh, great deals, multiple locations. Go visit them online at crunch.com. Loaded final hour, Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. 
This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. There's glory in the legends of this hard muscle life. And there's poetry in each season made of sweat and strife. Dirt and Sprague on Football Friday. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app, follow 1080 The Fan, and enable push notifications to get the latest on the Ducks, Beavers, Blazers, and more. All I know is, you mess with me, you got problems. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Final hour of the radio program and the week. Dirt and Sprague here on a football Friday. The Odyssey app, 1080 The Fan AM. Yes, we are still an AM radio station. Old-timey radio on AM radio. Do, do I hear you correctly on my radio? There's a little static on the AM dial. Coming at you with the top 10 hits, 1984. Yes, it's still 2024. We're on the AM dial. Welcome back to AM Radio. Feels like 1984, though. Uh, YouTube.com as well. We're on the YouTubes. Uh, so you can go and watch any of the shows. If you miss any of the hours of the programs, you can catch it at 1080thevan.com. We will spray the line at 830. I don't know what we're going to spray the line on. I've gotten no picks from Swag, who's riding the illustrious high of calling a win for the Portland men's basketball team for the first time in God knows how long. And Dirt's on baby duty, so who knows if he's even alive or awake. I hope he's catching some winks, but God knows that that, that him and the wifey are not sleeping. It must be nice to not have to have the picks by Friday at 9 a.m., whereas like I have to have the picks by 9 a.m. So we'll get to that coming up at the bottom. But we're going to dive into the new coaching hires, the National Football League. I want to start with the obvious Jim Harbaugh, and uh, he was introduced finally to Raider or to Raiders, the Chargers fan base. All fourteen of them uh, were excited about Jim Harbaugh and uh, now being paired with uh, Justin Herbert. Here is Jim Harbaugh uh, talking about his new quarterback, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, you you, you know you see, I mean he's a that's a video. I mean that's a that's a he's a crown jewel. Uh, in, in the National Football League. Uh, Derwin James, there's another one. Uh, talk, talk about somebody getting me fired up. I mean, I mean, let's go. You know, Justin Herbert walks up on you, you know, like, okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, also, the goal, Harbaugh wants to win in the NFL. He's won in college. He came damn close in his first NFL stint. Uh, his goal is pretty simple. He wants this, and we're in uh, we're in you know one of the one of the great cities there there is. Um, you know, and one thing I know is is uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. Uh, they respect talent, effort, and winning, and uh, and it needs to be multiple multiple championships. Uh, and that's we're going to be hum- humble and hungry. Uh, but, you know, that's our goal. So he wants multiple championships, as does every coach, but as he's already experienced in the NFL, just getting the one is really hard. And also, by the way, you're in the Patrick Mahomes division. Uh, Schultz, I have no context. I, I guess I don't remember this answer. You it's okay. Label that I want my RV. So he, uh, this was actually pulled yesterday. He wants to live in an RV right next to the stadium. He is so That's how devoted to Coach to go. Oh, yeah, I So listen it. to this clip. It's good. Okay. I told my wife this. Should I tell him? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, 
I want to I want to drive my RV out. I want to drive my RV out and uh, and and. and Go to a trailer park, uh, you know, like down by the water or uh, by Disneyland. There'll be two that I've researched that are close to the facility, and uh, I want to Jim Rockford it for the uh, for the for the next uh, couple months until we move to the new facility. That's I have that thought going through my head. <laughs> Does anybody else have Jim Harbaugh coming out of an RV after hearing a loud noise at two thirty in the morning, but he's in nothing but tidy whities with a baseball bat? awkwardly rushing to put his glasses on, wondering if somebody was trying to break into his RV. Does anybody have that visual when he talks about wanting this life? I mean, I've seen Joe Madden, former Cubs and Angels and Rays manager. He was actually famously known for during spring training. He would have his RV like parked pretty much at the facility. Sure. Now we really have to go anywhere because, man, when you got a nice, sexy RV like that, a comfy bed, there's no hotel bed that's going to match that. So, so I can see this, yes. Jim Harbaugh walking out with his with his old Michigan PJs in the morning trying to see what's going on? Oh, you have him wearing PJs. I have Harbaugh going to sleep in tidy whities mm, Okay. I, I See, I, I feel like it depends You think on he's in Michigan pajamas? I think he's got Michigan bottoms on. Like, maybe are we talking shirt. Michigan pants? Are you have you're you pajama pants? Because I, I don't like to wear pants. In no, I'm bed. a shorts guy. Me too. Do you have Harbaugh in shorts or pants? Well, Harbaugh likes dickies, I thought, so so he's probably mm. a pants guy. Okay. No, I, he, I'm a shorts guy. I think okay. Harbaugh's a pants guy. Uh, he also likened uh, his situation to Shawshank Redemption. Harbaugh was here. I think about, uh, if I could describe it to you, it'd be like, it'd be like Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption. You know, red, you know. I'm so excited that I, I find I, you know, I can't sit still or, or hold a thought in my head, you know, uh, what a free man would feel before a long journey. And uh, I just want to make it across the border, want to uh, shake my friend's hand. That's, that's how I feel. And uh, I want to get, uh, you know, want to win, want to win the right way, want to treat people uh, 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 in a first-class way and, uh, you know, get really good at football and um, attacking each day. Like John said, I'm attacking it with an enthusiasm unknown, unknown to mankind. To mankind, we've heard that quote for over a decade. I love the Shawshank Redemption. So that reference so, making it into the the pop culture lexicon today. His borders like going from Michigan to the California border. He's free now. I thought he was a Michigan man. Bury, bury me as a Michigan man. Now he's free. He's talking about just the the anticipation okay. that he feels, comparing it to Morgan Freeman and the anticipation okay. of seeing Andy Dufresne again on the beach. Uh, here is Jim Harbaugh, interviewed by the NFL Network on why why the Chargers. Tremendous opportunity to be uh, with the Chargers. Uh, you know, superstar quarterback, uh, uh, shining star, all pros, pro. Uh, uh, in, in, in Derwin, James, and just so many guys, you know, uh, and the main, mainly the Vandals family. I think we, um, it's genuine, it's, uh, it's sincere, they want to win, uh, and they, you know, they like how I do it and, and what I do, and uh, so happy to be on the team, and I think we all share, as I'm getting to know the players uh, and, the, and, the, and the family, just this asset of being relentless. Uh, you know, I just feel it, and Ready to attack. I took that as I can't remember any names of my guys. So when he's like all pro guys, like uh, Derwin and and, and the guys, he didn't even say Justin. He said Derwin and the guys. I just kind of took that in the moment of like, yeah, I shouldn't name a lot of players. We're probably going to be cutting some dudes and figuring this out defensively. He's got Herbert. 
certainly. So that's, I mean, that's of all the reasons. He's in L.A. and he has Herbert. There you go. It's it's cut and dry as that. He's in the Malms division, but that's not a dude that generally cares about that. Let's get to the guy that I actually thought had, and this isn't to say it means that he's going to be the best hire by any stretch. His situation's probably the most difficult. I really enjoyed Dave Canales' press conference yesterday, and I know everybody's still laughing about the porn addiction revelation in the book with the alcoholism and all that. Uh, well, not laughing, but more so in like, oh, that's interesting, a coach admitting to a porn addiction. I thought he came across very well for Carolina Panther fan, who's probably feeling really down on the dumps because their owner sucks. But Tepper says that he's going to stay out of it. Here is Canales on why he wants the Panthers. The more that I got ready for this interview and start watching Bryce, looking at my notes from his eval, I mean, that's just a year ago. You know, we're, we're evaluating him as a player, as a person. With all the information that we could, I just got more and more fired up about the opportunity to have this amazing talent and he's the guy. He's the right guy that you all that we all talk about when we have that quarterback, that that franchise, face of the franchise type of player. Um, and that got me really excited. And then just on top of that, you know, the I played against the Panthers twice and, and the job that EJ Evero did with the defense was really hard, really hard to deal with. Great sound football, playing hard, some great players in some spots and just the whole thing coming together. And then as it got to, you know, Dan and I have some history. So then I thought, shoot, if you look at some of the successful organizations, there's a dynamic relationship between the head coach and the GM. Um, and then of course, as I've gotten to meet the Teppers too, to feel their com- their competitive nature, their passion for what they want here. Yeah. So he, he thinks the Panthers is a great job. He says he doesn't view things the way people do. He has a positive in every part of his day. I, I really came away impressed, Schultze. I know we played a lot of Harbaugh in that segment and we'll get to McDonald here in a minute. I really came away impressed with Canales. He, he, he just seems, he seems so laser focused. Uh, he really believes, I mean, for now he believes in Bryce Young. He's going to try to tailor the offense to Bryce Young's strengths uh tepper better have learned his lesson like stop meddling like let a guy try to create a culture and an atmosphere he mentioned dan morgan who he's known for a very long time so the general manager coach are in lockstep together uh really good press conference i thought if you could win a press conference for a downtrodden franchise i thought dave canales really did it i don't have time to play it but he emotionally thanked his wife for all the support and you know her kicking him in his ass and Given what the the conversation or narrative was about him earlier this week with the book, a couple days later he's at a press conference. You're going, man, I like this guy. I believe in this guy, and I, I, you know, some of his former players in Tampa have also been quoted of like how yeah. much they believe in him as a player caller, first call, first year play caller this year in Tampa. But that offense in Baker, they were better than people thought, and put him in good spots to to win those games and win that division. Underrated part of this though, he gets to keep the D coordinator. E.J. Evero is one of the hottest names in the coaching community. Yeah. His defense was good despite Carolina being very bad, and so he gets a really good D.C. for at least one year, and we'll see if he gets a job next year. Uh, so he'll at least have the defense in order. 
it's just up to him to get that offense in order. I mean, Canales, and no shots at Frank Reich here, but Canales comes in and seems like the much more energetic voice that, that a franchise downtrodden like this needs. And hopefully Tepper has figured this out, because if not, it's going to be, you know, I love that, yes, he won the press conference, but now we got to see if they're not going to be in the same position three right. years from now. Again, because they don't, I firmly believe they don't succeed with Bryce Young at quarterback. He's too short, he's too small, and frankly, the way that he tries tries to run back into the you know when he's facing a sack into the backfield he hasn't he hasn't learned not to just go straight back yet and, and that has killed him and they don't have weapons i mean so so he's got a lot to fix can he do it he's going to have a season maybe two before even if tepper isn't meddling there's going to be some questions and there's going to be some impatient ownership well, there very I, soon. You know what this season did is I, I'm a little more open-minded to things that seem ridiculous right now and i'm not a big bryce young believer but we all thought the Texans were going to be garbage. It's fair. We, all, we all thought the Colts were going to be in this struggle bus to compete and win games because they had a rookie quarterback, and then that kid got hurt, and then here comes a backup, and they still played in the final week for a playoff spot. So good coaching, it, it takes you a lot further than you think, and sometimes there's more talent in situations, but you look at the record, you don't get to watch the games as closely, and you have conclusions, and then you go out and see it done. We'll see. Uh, McDonald hired in Seattle. How we feel about that hire in the press conference? Some of the clips from him yesterday, and then Spring Line at the bottom of the hour. Next on the fan. This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by the Odyssey app on 1080 The Fan. Uh, it is a Friday. We will spring the line coming up. If you so choose to gamble on hockey or basketball or the Pro Bowl, maybe you go Schultz, you go off book, college hoops. No, oh, what I'm feeling this weekend yet. I was upset. I was a little upset, to tell you the truth. Last night, if I could have parlayed a Oregon covering and an Oregon State plus 10 and a half, I, I would have been all over that. I, I just, and I can't. Well, I can, but I can't. You know what I mean? Like, I can, but... Not in the easiest of ways. I don't feel like going to a Walmart and talking to somebody in Venezuela about getting my check. Uh, and so, and I also don't do a lot of crypto stuff. And so uh, I'm kind of left to the app and we can't do college gambling. But I would have done that last night had I had the ability. You sound old. What do you mean? You sound old. Get get an app that, that allows you to buy crypto and send it to you. I don't know. Come on. It takes two minutes. I'm too stupid to understand the crypto world. Uh, let's get to the Seahawks. We uh, did a little hardball with the Chargers. We did some Canales with the uh, the Panthers. Mike McDonald uh, had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on that farm he had a Seahawk. He was introduced at his press conference yesterday. Interesting comments from John Schneider. You don't, you don't hear a ton from Schneider. Like, I know he does some interviews once in a while, and most guys in his position aren't always talking, but I found it interesting what he was saying. He made a joke, and I actually thought it highlighted maybe a glimpse into what he wanted. And he said he was rooting like hell against the Ravens, and then he said the Lions. And I this could be old takes exposed wrong here. I think he's excited about Mike McDonald. There were two candidates leading the field here for them. It was Ben Johnson and it was McDonald. And they got McDonald because Ben Johnson said, I'd like to stay. I have unfinished business in Detroit. Schultz, with that comment, I kind of wondered, was he wanting Ben Johnson a, li- just a, smidge, a smidge more? 
than McDonald. It doesn't matter, but it just, he said it, and I was like, oh, I thought he would have just stopped with, I was rooting against the Ravens, you know, but he and added the Lions in there. I'm like, oh, you really wanted Ben Johnson, didn't I you? I think true thoughts came out there. I, I think they did, too. It sounds like Ben Johnson really, and smart on him for, for deciding to stick with Detroit with so many weapons, with a very good quarterback, not the best in the NFL, but a sure. very good quarterback. What are you going to do? You're going to go take the job in Carolina with a questionable Bryce Young or with a, a quarterback that's very, very replaceable in Geno Smith in Seattle? No, you stay where you are and take the position that you want well uh mcdonald talked after john schneider had the intro uh comments and here's what he had to say about the way he kind of views seattle already my wife and i have been talking just like this feels like home already you know it just feels it feels like feels like feels like god put us in this position um we played for we prayed for clarity throughout this whole process and it became very clear that this is where we're supposed to be so we're just extremely excited to go along with the theme of just um to get to work and to get to know everybody. I mean, this is the second day on the job. Feels like I've been here two months already, you know? And he talked about how the two days has led to the excitement for what this is for him. A new head coach. He's, you know, second-year D coordinator in Baltimore. Now he's the head coach of Seattle, and he talked about that excitement. I understand where, where this organization wants to go, and I feel like we're aligned on how we want to get there, and I'm just juiced to go do it. And there's no, there's going to be no secrets, secret thing of, you know, scheme or secret plays that are going to get us there faster. It's going to take a lot of hard work by finding the right people and doing it the right way, treating people the right way, building everybody up throughout the building. I want everybody to feel like they're a part of this mission. I can guarantee you this. You will get everything out of myself and our coaching staff every day. And many are wondering, hey, you got an elite defensive coordinator. When you get an offensive guy most of the time in the NFL, you do have some OCs, but you get these head coaches with offensive pedigree calling the plays. Who's going to be calling the plays in Seattle? Well, he answered that. Yeah, right now right now the plan is I'll be calling the plays. Um, now, depending on who the defensive coordinator is and when uh, when that becomes, that ultimately I'm the head coach of the football team, so I want to coach the football team. And right now, the best way that we can win is, in my opinion, is for me to call the plays. And then when it becomes obvious that um, someone else is ready to go and we see it the same way, then, then we'll, make that, we'll make that change. I think people are in Seattle, Schultz, pretty excited about McDonald in the hire. Um, he had a great game against Brock Purdy in the Niners, highly thought of around the league. And I think any time... Most of the time, guys come from organizations with the stability and consistency of Baltimore... I mean, he started as an intern. He shared a great story of Ozzie Newsome when he was an intern in his young 20s. Ozzie Newsome stopped him in the hall and just talked to him. He knew his name. He knew everything about him. Like, that's what Baltimore was. It's a true organization from top down where everybody cares about each other and they're there to work and get a job done. You come from Baltimore, it's, it's just a natural, oh, that's, that's a great pipeline. You just assume anything in Baltimore is pretty stinking good given what they've been as an organization for largely 24 years. People in Seattle yesterday, he might not be the most rah-rah guy, but he's got kind of this, he's got that de-coordinator kind of look. He's just got that, you know, that I'm not playing games with you. We're punching you in the mouth type vibe is what my takeaway was. And so I I just, I really enjoyed kind of listening, seeing the demeanor 
kind of his read on the organization and how he views it, much like Baltimore and the way that the run, him and John Schneider both thanking Jody Allen profusely. Like, suddenly Jody Allen, is she becoming a good sports owner? I don't know. Many people would say no to that because they still think the Vulcans got to uh, sell these organizations. But everybody within the organizations are complimentary of her. McDonald, though, exciting hire, defensive identity. Here you go, smash mouth maybe Legion of Boom type football coming back to Seattle. Absolutely. We were talking last year about like, oh, Pete Carroll's clock uh, possibly expiring soon. When are they going to try to transition? He is in his early 70s to a new voice. They've been pretty stagnant the last few years. And yeah, McDonald essentially coming in to not only, I I do think they need a new quarterback. I think that, I love Geno, but a new quarterback will take them to new heights with his offense. So you're looking at McDonald eventually replacing Geno Smith and then finding Basically, a new defense outside of Devin Witherspoon and an aging Bobby Wagner. You know, th- those were the two. You got Witherspoon. Spots. Woolen was a little banged uh, up oh, this yeah. year, and Wosu left early with injuries. They got some pieces, but yeah, they got to re- they got to revamp. It. Yeah, they were dealing with some issues for sure. But but when you look at like the front four for other teams and how many sacks they got, and that, the pass it, rushing was it, it's yeah, not that been ain't elite. Seattle. Seattle can't get any movement up front. They've so. been bad defensively for a couple seasons now. Exactly, Schultz. and that's why we're wondering. You know, like is an older voice the best thing? No, we. Need need a new energetic guy mcdonald's ravens defense i think they led the league this year in points and takeaways like oh, yeah, they were amazing they, they, yeah. they're they're so good and i do think that it was the time for seattle to go and get a coach in this cycle because they're like wow we like these names there are so many good names if it's not quinn we've got a couple of young options and they obviously went with mcdonald's so it was the time for them to move to, uh, on from pete carroll and i do think seahawks fans should be excited about that especially after hearing from mcdonald yesterday Today and, and I, I am trying to get used to saying McDonald and not McDonald. I just say it quickly so you can't really tell McDonald. Uh, I'm going to say McDonald. McDonald. Uh, Mac- I heard McDonald's. McDonald's that time. McDonald. No, just but say but quick. Se- Seahawks fans should definitely about be excited about old Mick there. Uh, the offense is an interesting point because it, obviously we're in largely still an offensive league. Even the points were down this year, and some defenses maybe they've caught up a little bit. Who is the offense? There's no official hire yet that I've seen. If you got any breaking news, you can share it. The intel might be Ryan Grubb. It's it's there's some smoke around the Ryan Grubb name, which kind of makes me chuckle because uh, old Kalen DeBoer, uh, Penix is seen snapping his hand away from him. Get out of this picture. You're not here. Yeah, but did you see the full context? Did you see the full? Clip? I didn't. Was there a follow? up? Th- there's a full clip. What was the follow up that they did? To it was a joke. You saw a two oh, second. Gotcha. Jo- okay. It was Penix being like, "Ah, oh, get out of here, I'll come." Well, here. I wasn't concluding fully, but I did I think, "Oh man, not no, a good no, look no. for old Kalen right now." Yes, and and gosh darn <laughs> social media for what we have to do deal with now because you saw that two second clip. Well. You're thinking, "Oh, oh, Michael Penix and Kalen, they're having issues." No, if you saw the full eight seconds i think uh former duck george reister posted it on his twitter account Mm. he saw the full eight second video from the front and it was obvious that they were all good Penix was just Um, jiving with him and and they're fine you know kalen and michael Penix jr are good it's well but it's more fun to me to live in the world where even Penix doesn't like to bore anymore he goes to bama and instantly they lose some of their top talent he might also already be losing his oc which that's crazy they haven't even had one season together in bama but Grubb is a, a hot commodity, a big name for many. And the intel, at least some of the smoke around the OC hire for McDonald, is Ryan Grubb. 
I think it just further speaks to the challenge that Kalen DeBoer is facing there. And it's obvious that Alabama wasn't necessarily the reason that recruits and great players were coming to that university. Not the prestige oh. of what they were. It, it was more Nick Saban. It was some well, Alabama. Sure, Saban was getting a lot of guys. that, And I think, I can't remember who, but one of the players, I think, said something to the effect of, took a bit of a discount to come play for old uh -huh. Nick Saban. And and that's sure. And how many coaches lined up but to De work for Nick Saban? Yeah, but as DeBoer well. has done nothing but win. What I find interesting is our conclusions on him at Alabama already, even though his entire career no. is he wins everywhere sure. he goes. And yeah, it looks funny now. What if he's in the SEC title game? What if they win the SEC? And then suddenly that's gonna get right back. They still have more five stars than Oregon. So it speaks to kind of what Alabama still is, mm -hmm. but can he sustain it and keep building with it? That's the big question. But the Seahawks hire Mike McDonald. Uh, good little press conference for him, trying to bring back some, you know, physical nature defense for the Seahawks. They've been lacking that the last couple years, and uh, we'll see who they hire as their OC. Some smoke is around Ryan Grubb, but maybe it's somebody different. Uh, Spraying line next on The Fan. <laughs> This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. Sprague in the line. Sprague in the line. Sprague in the line. Sprague in the line. That's a fun with audio to get to in the final segment. It's right in your wheelhouse. That's all I'm going to tease you with, Schultze. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm excited. Uh, Sprague in line brought to you by Sprague. All his picks suck. Why do we listen to any of them? Thank you. <laughs> okay, that's just flat out funny. Spring line brought to you by we're gonna beat their ass. Period is what Sprague says before going 0 for 3. I have I'm caught a little off guard on this segment. I, I want to be uh honest here of I have no picks from swag, I have no picks from dirt, I have no idea what the records are, and I'm way too lazy to want to scroll Twitter to care to check. I just know I'm in last place right now. And the loser, by the way, the loser of Spring Line this year, which will end after next week. So if I don't go 3-0 and then 3-0 again and swag drops, I will be caddying. The loser has to dress in a full caddy outfit. And the winner, which right now would be Dirt, would choose the course that they want to play at. And I have to caddy an entire round on a Saturday. Ooh. Hopefully actually a weekday. I'd rather do a weekday. Kind of glad I don't work on the show right now. Really? Well, because then I'd be in this competition too. So no, thank you. You you don't think you'd be a good uh, caddy? Uh, not being a, no 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 no. I'd be a good caddy. Just giving up a Saturday as it would pretty much be guaranteed oh, yeah. as crappy as I've been this season. Are you a golfer? Uh, I'm a bad golfer. I need to get out and practice my swing. Like what's your handy? Are you like a twenty plus? I don't even plus? know what my handy is. It's terrible. That's... Can you break a hundred? Mm, on certain courses. Really? It, it's bad, but like it, mm. it, you get me liquored up to like, you know, three, four beers just in that right, <laughs> you know, like it, where I don't care about my swing. I could possibly break 100, but that's very rarely. Uh, Spray line brought to you by Teddy Ballgame Johnson. Already a better sports better than Sprague. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's get to the first pick. I'll read some more uh, coming up here in just a second. 
Do you have any picks? I mean, I got one for tonight that I think people will laugh at me at, but but then, I don't know, maybe some Pacific Northwest Blazers lovers will be like, yeah, I'm going to follow you. Oh, no. Uh, You're doing what I'm doing? I think so. I think we're oh, both doing the same damn thing. It. Are, 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 are you like thinking that means it's going to be a guaranteed loss? Yeah, or? that's. I mean, Sorry. when somebody else picks up on your same bet, you instantly feel the, oh. Well, then you, you want to be the opposite yeah, side of yeah. most people, don't you? That's what I try to do. Not but that there's any actually measured math on that. It's other 50-50. Than... If it's a good bet, it's a good bet, baby. Yeah. Uh, but here is my, what I am hopefully not going to hate myself later for saying, okay. is a good bet. But the Denver Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers tonight, that is a Friday night game, 6 p.m. tip. It's a 12-and-a-half point line now. Oh. I think the Blazers are going to cover it. After, after Even all... against the Nuggets? Yeah. At yeah. home in like, the elevation? Yeah. Hmm. I think Ant. Didn't have as good of a game as he wanted to the other night. You know, maybe Scoot actually comes out and has a great first half again. Yeah, and had a weird game. He shot. He, he shot over fifty percent, but also took nineteen shots to get twenty-four points. A weird game. And his first half was pretty crappy as compared to his second half. It, he kind of came on late. In he that did. Game. He was yeah. clutch. I mean, obviously clutch. He had the go-ahead basket. But uh, hey, De- DeAndre Ayton's been playing better the yeah, last few games as yeah. well. So, so I would say twelve and a half points. Okay. I, my Blazers with fifteen wins. Yeah, I like that one. But I begrudgingly say I like it. That kind of upsets me. That was also my pick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 12 and a half is a big number. It is. And also, like, I, I'm not expecting them necessarily to win, but the way they've been playing, even in the elevation, like, yeah, could you get down 20 in this? Sure. And then you make a little bit of a backdoor comeback. Because basketball, especially the NBA, is a game of runs, baby. Yeah, I I, I hate doing this. Sorry, I'm, bro. I, too, will also be following you. With Trailblazers plus 12 and a half. Do you have a second pick? It's a big number. Uh, my second, it is a big number. My second pick was actually looking at the NBA schedule for tomorrow. Lakers-Knicks. It's a nationally televised evening game, 5.30 on ABC. Uh, I just want to pick the Lakers in a straight pick them because it's plus money. They outright beat the Celtics last night and yeah. beat them pretty convincingly. Without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Without their two best players. If you're Darvin Ham, you go back to that locker room. You're celebrating Austin Reeves, good game. Don't you then turn to them and go, hey, guys, how, how'd that look? Because you're making a lot of noise about my job, and we just came to the one seed in one of the hardest home venues to win at, and we kicked their ass. I think if you're Darvin Ham, you kind, they kind, AD and LeBron kind of deserve that, don't they? Uh, I agree. I would agree. What's the line, uh, L.A. and New York? Uh, they have not released one yet, uh, as far as I know. So you're just going to, no matter the points, you're taking no, the Lakers? I don't really care what the points are. I'm going to take the Lakers. ESPN FPI okay. gives them a 34 35% chance of winning, so that's probably mm-hmm. going to put the line around, like, what, plus 200, plus 230, maybe? So, so I, I say Lakers money line straight up. Uh, I'm going to take Orlando on the road in Minnesota tonight. This should not uh, just fade everything, by the way, for my spring line picks. Uh, I'm taking Orlando plus eight. Okay. They're in Minnesota. Minnesota's really good defensively, but can be a little weird offensively. And Orlando can just randomly get you. And I think they can stay within striking distance of eight points. So I will take the Magique. Uh, plus eight in Minnesota. Somebody asking at the uh, the Vancouver Ford text line, 503-864-6326, why don't you caddy for the fan golf tournament? That would be kind of cool. Uh, asking you to caddy? The only thing with that is, am I caddying for an entire foursome? Am I caddying? Because we and Dirt don't play. We're not invited to play. 
And so we just do the show, and that's kind of it at the Fan Golf Classic. So, like, would I caddy for listener foursome? And just, like, am I running around and, hey, looks like you're 130 out. Probably go with my 52 because you got about 12 yards, it looks like, on that flag. If you can hit your 52 about 110 to 115, you're going to have a nice little rollout to the pin. Maybe P-Wedge if uh, you're hitting your irons a little shorter than most. You know, like, is that what I'm doing? Or are we just picking somebody that I'm caddying for and a four? I don't know how that's going to work. It's not a bad idea, though. I like the idea. I, I think that'd be a cool prize. Like, uh, you know, have Sprague and Dirt caddy for you for a round. Yeah, okay. that'd be fun. Uh, what is your final pick? Do you have a final pick? Uh, I mean, th- those were the two that I was really, really hot on. Let's look at the NBA schedule tonight. Yeah, that, that Lakers over the Knicks pick, like, just straight money line. Probably going to put a couple units on that one. I think that'll be... I don't know, maybe mix that in with something else. That could be a big moneymaker. But tonight, uh, let's see. Ooh, Clippers-Pistons line is 11 and a half. I'll this, take- this sounds, can I just interrupt you? This yeah. is the most degenerate radio segment I maybe have had. I hate when this segment happens in non-football season, and I tell him that. So now that he's gone, it's not. It's not. I'm not doing it next week. Or <laughs> in, in two weeks, I'm not doing this segment. It. Listen to us. Oh, perusing the schedule. Kings Pacers? Oh, yeah. Game 54 of the season. Who's on back-to-backs? Who's resting? Oh, I'm going to take the Pacers four and a half. Like, it's that's the most degenerate conversation you can. Oh, I'm going to take the puck line, the Canucks against the uh, Golden Knights. Like, it's the most degenerate possible segment you could do in sports radio. Yeah, betting a soccer tie tonight. No, God, no. no Korean the- women's volleyball, please. <laughs> Staying up till 2 a.m. to watch that. Uh, your wife wonders why you're screaming at the TV that late. Uh, Detroit, only six wins, but the line against the Clippers this afternoon, uh, 4 p.m. tip is 11 and a half. I think Detroit at home can cover that. So it's a trap by uh, by, by Vegas. They, they're setting that NBA line at the perfect point where you just think Detroit can sneak in there. I'm going to play it, but I'll probably lose. Detroit to cover 11.5 points tonight. Uh, my final pick, I'll, I'll go Suns minus three and a half. Okay. Who's playing? I don't know. But it speaks to what I just said. Degenerate segment. Three and a half at Atlanta. Atlanta's not great. And Phoenix is playing better basketball uh, for the most part. So I will take Phoenix minus three and a half. And somebody just texted Sprayton Line. Brought to you by Denver Nuggets minus 12 and a half tonight. Lock of the century. You're not wrong. I feel the same way, and I picked the opposite. Yeah, we're we're both going to be hating our lives next week. On uh, one. one audio clip that might be up your avenue, Schultz, and we wrap it up next on The Fan. It's This is a Football Friday edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by the Odyssey app. On 1080 The Fan. All right, there we go. We got some Rebecca back. uh, Black back. Back, black, black, back. That's ACDC. Yes. Back in black. (laughs) Back in black. Uh, Great weekend of sports ahead. I know that the Super Bowl is not this week, but... You got the Senior Bowl if you want to watch our uh, local prospects that have uh, moved on and graduated, getting ready for the draft. Uh, You've got the uh, Pro Bowl events if you so choose to participate in kicking events and throwing events. And yesterday they played dodgeball. And the NHL All-Star Game is this weekend. And I'm not, you know, I don't really watch a whole lot of Pro Bowl, NHL, All-Star Game stuff, Schultze, but I've got a cut around the NHL All-Star Game. And I want to play the audio 
and then see if we can figure out who is this guest admitting, by the way, quite the thing out loud at a press conference. The answer is no. I will not be the oldest draft pick the Vancouver Canucks have ever taken at 48 years old. I know you and you. You're a really good hockey. You got good hands, dude. You've got silky mitts, my brother. You are the first person who's ever told me that. Because I'm the first real ever hockey fan. My buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms, and he was lying. So I'll be honest, I thought I was in Blades of Glory for most of the time that I was out there until it sort of settled down, and then I realized, holy I am at the NHL All-Star Game. We live. Who is the guest that was at the NHL All-Star Game press conference and basically drugged to living hell and admitted, I'm high on mushrooms right now. This is wild. I felt like earlier I was in Blades of Glory. Uh, is this an actor? A 48-year-old NHL draft? I have no idea. It's not an NHL player. Okay. This is a celebrity. Well, that would... Usually it'd be like Will Ferrell, but it's not them. No, it's it, this was not a bit. This was somebody this famous at the press conference, clearly wigging out, and then telling you, I thought I did a microdose of mushrooms... Confirmed it's not a microdose. I'm high as a kite. I'm trying to think of all the celebrities that are massive hockey fans. Uh-huh. But I don't follow much hockey. You so. follow this person. I do. You do. Is that I Michael would, Buble? That is Michael Buble! Yes! As soon as you said you follow this person, it's like, oh, you mean I wish I could be them? That was Michael Buble. I, I love him. And I, Michael Buble Microdosing is a Michael Buble on mushrooms. He is, of course, on psychedelics. <laughs> I, I love that. It, gosh, I don't hear him talk as often, so oh, I, I uh, took me a minute, but uh, he got me there. I love that clip. Thank you. That is a... Look, when you watch the press conference... You're like, there's something a little off. It's it's not that his eyes are crazy, but it's just that he's constantly looking around. Kind of wigging out. He's he's complimenting people's hand size. Their hair is silky. It's another to be on mushrooms and then openly say, my friend said I was microdosing and he lied. Yeah, you just admit it. Oh, that's fantastic. I think you have to eventually because you you can't, it's hard to function. I think you just have to lean into it. And when you're a music star, you know, you kind of get away with that thing. Normally, normally, uh, I, taking... mean, I think in general, microdosing mushrooms is becoming, I know here in Portland, it's a controversial topic. Uh, no, for many, but what but... I'm saying is you just, you hear about that publicly in the news. If it were anybody else other than a musician, you know, you're like, oh, is that person okay? But like a musician, oh, they're singers. They, they, yeah, they do that kind of stuff all the time. Not surprising, especially. Michael Buble, like he's been touring now for what, almost 15 years? Mm -hmm. He's probably been microdosing for a bit. Uh, were you aware of Michael Buble microdosing mushrooms? No, I was like, aware. Like, is it a surprise for you to find out? It, that is a little surprising. I, I, I was aware of his hockey fandom. He actually, a, a fun Michael Buble fact if he was not going to be a uh, famous singer, he was, I mean, his grandfather owned a fishing boat. He would have worked on that. But his other dream job was working as a, a hockey announcer. So, kind of like me. I think Michael Bublé and I are very similar. We both like to sing. We both like sports. So, Do maybe microdose? I need to go microdose as well. <laughs> maybe you need to get on those mushrooms. I've never, never done mushrooms before. I did peyote once. Never mushrooms, though. Uh, lock yourself in a cabin. Do ayahuasca. Why not? Um, 
Yeah, let's try it, baby. I've long complained. Well, not complained, but I've said like, you know, some artists release some Christmas music, but a lot of the music that gets repurposed every Christmas season is older music. You know, the Frank Sinatra's of the world. Uh, Nat King Cole. Michael Buble sucks. Well, yeah. Buble's awesome, but when you hear Jimmy Eat World, that's Christmas, gave you my heart. Like, no. Teach their own if they like it. I I don't care. If Buble has a Christmas album out, I would probably go back to 1997 and go to a Tower Records and tell you that I would actually spend money on buying an album if you told me the album was Michael Buble microdosing on mushrooms and then singing the Christmas songs because I think he'd get distracted by himself in the midst of singing it. Just like, have yourself a what? <laughs> like, what the hell's what if going you're, on? What if you're not Mary? And what if it's a massive Christmas? It's not a merry little Christmas. It's a it's a mer- it's a not so merry massive Christmas. You just you don't get to you don't get to feel any of those silk soft hands. You don't you don't get to see everybody's smooth complexions. I forgot the words to this song now. <laughs> I'm high as a kite. <laughs> oh yes. Please. I would love to see Buble singing that Christmas tune. Microdosing mushrooms. That's what Michael Bublé's next move needs to be. Lounge singer, big time artist, really popular for Christmas tunes. Eh. Give me a microdosing Michael Bublé album. I'm all in. The microdosing, microdosing Michael album. <laughs> Michael Christmas <laughs> secondary microdosing songs. Let's go. That's all I want. Uh, good shows. Thanks for hopping in at the end of the week. Here's Schultze for Swigard. Appreciate you. I'll be back next week for a couple days as well. Is it Thursday, Friday again? I think it's Wednesday, Thursday, actually. Wednesday, kind of, Thursday. Kind of a little bit of a kink in the plans. Yeah, we do. We uh, next week is the Super Bowl, so we'll dive into the matchup. We'll have a lot of guests on that. And if you miss any of the shows, you can always catch it at 1080thefan.com. Enjoy all the sports action you can. Hopefully the Wolves go 2-0. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And uh, go Blazers tonight in Denver. That's going to do it for us. Dirt and Sprague, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you Monday, 6 to 9 a.m. on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.